All right, there will be bourbon tonight. There absolutely will. And uh, before I bring on our esteemed guest, what will be, oh, there he is. He's good. Um, for those not watching on YouTube, of course, you have no idea that he's throwing up a glass as well, which is good. We'd like to have the, the guest imbibe. Now, some don't, which is fine. You know, I'm all, yeah, I get it. We respect sobriety around here, but um, what will be fueling tonight's discussion will actually be rabbit hole, which I've never had on here. And I fully intend to go down one once I get this bottle flowing. Uh, Rob, that's his name. All right. So Rob Province is here tonight. He's joining us. He runs the Fear of the Floof account on Twitter. If you're on I that. run my cat's account, yes. Yeah, he runs his cat's <laughs> account. It's a great account. It, highly popular. Very funny. Very. Uh, <laughs> it, it's worth checking out. So if you're on Twitter, Fear the Floof. But that is Rob Province. So he joins us tonight. And, and you were just discussing Rabbit Hole yourself before we got this recording going what I this is good all right so what happened with the rabbit hole that you had uh it's one of my favorite uh blue falcon actually uh, turned me on to it funny enough i actually oh, yeah. tried to i actually tried to call you or text you i was at the at the store and he gave me three uh and one of them was rabbit hole and i was like going down to visit a buddy of mine uh down in texas i was like oh, i'm gonna grab something to you know have when i get there and I took rabbit hole ride. Uh, we, uh, we managed to kill it in 45 minutes. 45 minutes is good. <laughs> See, now a couple of weeks ago, I had my last little workout at my gym because uh, I'm, I'm leaving, no longer going there. And they brought me a bottle of uh, Buffalo Trace that we were all going to take shots of while we were there. So I can't say it was just the two of us, but me and another member may or may not have killed the rest of the Buffalo Trace bottle in about an hour. And yeah. there were pictures shared of that. You can see him on the floor with the bottle next to him. But 45 <laughs> minutes between two individuals. That, how'd you feel after that, man? That's that's kind of... Uh, honestly, I felt nothing. I, I'm pretty much hardened. Uh, I'm, I'm a veteran of uh, the college 90s days. So okay. uh, I woke up feeling fine. <laughs> yeah, I always wake up feeling fine now. But usually it's in the moment where you're like, all right, we just finished the bottle. What do we do next? Because 45 minutes, that's, that's... I mean, you got a whole night ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I usually, but I'm at an age now where by the time I do finish that, it's bedtime. It is bedtime. So <laughs> the thing with rabbit holes, so uh, let me get back to this real quick, because, you know, when you have no script, you don't really pay attention to what the hell you're supposed to be talking about and sharing. So, okay, again, rabbit hole. Now, if you look at this bottle, right, it's got the high gold label on it. Okay, if you see that. So that rabbit hole makes several. This is their straight bourbon whiskey. And I'm not sure if it was this one or the other one. Uh, they've, they've changed the name to Cave Hill. Uh, they did that after 2019. So I'm not sure if this was the one and this is just an old bottle because it was laying in this liquor store I just went to. But if it is a straight whiskey, straight Kentucky whiskey, a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, it has to be at least two years old. And if it's not, uh, it can't be called straight whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey. Okay. And then if it is over four years old, then it has, or less than four years old, it has to have an age statement of, the youngest whiskey in the bottle. So if it's a blend, it's got to have the age statement of the youngest one. This one is not blended, but on the back, it does say three years. All right. So it's not very love, old, but I love learning something new every day. Yeah. It's not very old, but for three years, uh, generally a lot of them can taste pretty thin because it just doesn't have a lot of time in the barrel, but this stuff's solid. This is actually very, very good. It is a little expensive for something that's that young, but I've had their straight bourbon whiskey. I've had their rye. I haven't had anything bad from them yet. No, they do good stuff. And the other one that I've had, I don't really buy rabbit hole bottles for the, for the house, you know, for the bar back there, but I do get it when I'm in restaurants and bars and they, everything that I've ever had has been good. So I don't know. Maybe that's probably a more reflection of me and my snobbery than anything that I haven't bought it. Because, my standard uh, at home in the bar is angels envy. See, so you like stuff that's kind of finished and 
port yeah. and stuff. Because Rabbit Hill does one of those where it's finished in port, and that's no, what I don't know doing. you. I'm I'm pulling out the decanter, and just FYI, full disclosure, my decanter is full of gym. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I got a, a 1.75 down there of gym because you know you got to have that. You don't want to give out the good stuff when you're mixing it's the well cocktails stuff. And it's, people. And in, in a decanter, it really adds the snobbery oh, to it. So what I, if I'm going to mix stuff or just have anything that's just going around day-to-day stuff, it's Wild Turkey 101, yep. Buffalo Trace, of course, and then the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. I'm Those still three, amazed you can't Buffalo go Trace better. costs what it costs. I'm still amazed they haven't upped their price on that. It still kind of blows me away. Well, to me, what I've seen is because it really depends on what state you're in. Now, I don't understand, like, California, where I'm at, right? One of the Everything greatest things about this state is the alcohol. It's in every store and everything you go to. There's alcohol everywhere, which is great. And there's tons of availability of just about anything. Rayleigh's, my store, my little grocery store right down the street right now. Buffalo Trace is there for $18.99 on sale. Okay, it's not that cheap in Missouri. That's no. So like I said, depending on what state you go in, I was just in Illinois to see my daughter a couple of weeks ago. And Buffalo Trace there is 40 bucks. My apologies for having to visit Illinois. Well, my daughter's there, so that helps. <laughs> and I'm a Bears fan. The part's wait, great. Actually, the Illinois part, yeah. Wait, I'm a Bears fan. Aren't you a Packers fan? I'm a, I am a Packers fan by marriage. My wife uh, is from Racine, Wisconsin, so I'm a Packers oh. fan by marriage. Um, okay. I was born in Kansas, raised Missouri, so I, I grew up a Kansas City you know, fan. Okay. So I, uh, I can only claim Packers by marriage. Okay. Well, it's not a good, it's not a bad time to be a chiefs fan. It's not really a bad time to be a no. Packers fan, I guess, either, except for last week, but that, that was horrible. Uh, <laughs> that was just awful. <laughs> My wife is very unhappy about that. I but. enjoyed it. I mean, I, unfortunately yeah. I, I know I I'm unfortunately well connected to a lot of Packers fans. I don't know. Again, that must be more of a reflection of me than anything, but I do like when they lose, uh, they'll be playing the bears this weekend and it's probably gonna be a sad day for me as it has been in the Aaron Rodgers era for like, I don't know. I think I can remember two times that he's lost to the bears. I know it's more than that, but not many. Yeah. It's, it's been a long 18 years or however long he's been. In the yeah. And then even before that, like, how do you go? This is kind of like, you know, this is kind of funny because the Packers for all of their greatness, they go from Brett Favre, hall of fame, first ballot quarterback, right in the Aaron Rodgers hall of fame, yeah. first ballot quarterback. They only got two super bowls to show for it. And your boy yeah. over in Kansas City, he's already been to two in what five years? Yeah, that's the thing about the, the grossly Packers, underachieving franchise in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers era is great regular season, and yeah. boy, do they know how to disappoint you in the postseason. Like, Which I love, but hey, yeah, we yeah. made it. Hey, you know, <laughs> we're solid, you know, 16 and whatever. Can't win a postseason game. No, and it's, it's, it's usually it at home, too. They keep losing at home. That's the yeah. that's, a, that's the in the most thing. tragic, heartbreaking way. And if I'm going to be 100% honest, the only time that Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl is when they went to Chicago and beat the Bears in the NFC Championship game, the yeah. game that Jay Cutler gets hurt and doesn't play the second half because he hurt his knee. Yeah. So really, if you remove that, which I won't, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You still got to win the game. But yeah, and that was, damn, that's got to be 10 years ago, if not more, 12? Was yeah, it was, it was like, was a long time ago. wasn't Aaron Rodgers like second or third year in the league? Yeah, it was probably like 12 or 12 or 10 years it was 2010, but either way, I think it was his second or third year starting, but he, he sat behind Brett Favre for a few years before he played underperforming in the grand scheme of what you look at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's no Tom Brady. Yeah. Ah, Tom Brady. Anyway, what the, what the fuck are we talking about football for? Um, I get it. It just started again. So I, I, I was curious about this because you mentioned you've, you've had the account on Twitter nuked multiple times. 
Yeah. But you, you've grown these accounts fairly large. Like even, um, even now you're at like 18,000, I don't know, almost 20,000 uh, followers. I think before. There, yeah. It's kind of what I, you know, to go over that. So that's pretty much the only reason anybody would be interested in clicking on this. Cause I'm not on no other form of social media. Uh, I only do Twitter cause it, it fits with my ADHD brain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you spit out a thought and you know puke it out and you're done. Uh, I'm not really interested in anything else. Um, cause it's just, doesn't fit with my brain or my personality but yeah it's kind of what i'm known for is like build up an account to where it's huge and then destroy it uh nuke it or kill it or you know blow it up um and the reason is is it's twitter doesn't make you any money like yeah it, it's just it's just a hobby and you know a lot of people who haven't had it go to that extent i think my last one was fifty thousand or something like that yeah, is it, it gets annoying. It, it gets to the point where like, I'm honestly on there for like a hundred people, you know, <laughs> to me, it's like, I'm hanging out with my friends. Uh, I've made a lot of friends on there. I love, I mean, for people who bag on it, I love Twitter. I've met the most amazing people, the nicest people. With you on that. And, and I would, I, they'll have to drag me off that site because I just love the people I've met. And that may happen. It, yeah, they might drag me off. They've tried to, um, but it's funny. Yeah, I built up my first account to like twenty five thousand, killed it. Got to the next one to like fifty thousand. Uh, the educated hillbilly one, yeah, that. Uh, was like fifty thousand and killed it. And then yeah, this one I'll probably get to like about twenty five and kill it, and then start over again. Just because it it's it is becomes a job, and it's not a hobby anymore. It's like you know people are. It's like your inbox is full all the time uh your dms get crazy it's it's going off your phone's going off all the time uh even when you turn off notifications you you can't you can't scroll through and find the people you want to talk to like they get lost in the noise yeah and you just get tired of that and you're like okay there's really only like a hundred ish people on here that i'm really looking to talk to those are the only people i'm talking to in my brain Right. And they get lost in once you hit like 10,000 or more, it all gets lost and you just can't find those people to talk to them regularly. So everything about blow it up and start over. So I got two things on that, I guess, because I, I mean, it sounds to me like and it, I don't really think this is me when it comes to Twitter because my account's never been that big. But I think just in general, are you more of a person who you like kind of the journey, like starting yeah. something and, and but you don't really care about destination because once you reach the destination you're like oh fuck now i gotta start this again or i want to do something different yeah it's over once you get there i mean it's like it's like hiking you know you know it's like that's that's the adventure you know going through yellowstone or or you know wherever you are or the hunt you know once you've made the kill it's over you know you you've accomplished your mission or whatever you want to call it yeah, for me, it's the it's the, the journey, not the destination. And once the journey, you know, in Twitter speak, it's over. You know, it's like, okay, time to start over. Because it's kind of fun to start over and, you know, build it yeah. up again and start all over again. And then you get to the point where it's annoying and you blow it up and you start over again. Because I'm not making any money at this. Right. It's, not a, it's a hobby, you know. It's not like Facebook or TikTok or influencers or all that stuff where you can kind of turn it into a business and monetize it as the kids say. Twitter's you're not you're not making a living off Twitter. There's there's no way to monetize that. I mean, if you think about it, you probably could. I know you don't want to because you said that's just not how your brain works, but you do obviously have a knack for a social media 
I've present. I've been told that. So over the years, well, just lock your fucking account down and follow the hundred people you want to talk to, and that's it. I've been told that too, but yeah. I guess it's just how I how I work it, and just what's fun to me. And and I do what I feel like doing when I feel like doing it. And so when I get to the point like, okay, that's annoying, I blow it up. Um, yeah, I've been told like you, oh, you should go into writing or or journalism or social media, this or that. Yeah. But I'm like, well, then I'm doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Then it's a thing that I'm doing to make money. And it's like, that blows up the whole thing that makes it fun. Cause my, I was having a long conversation with a buddy of mine. I'll just say, John, uh, I want to put him out there, you know, by using his last name, but he's a writer in New York. And I was literally talking to him about exactly that. You know, he's like, Oh, you should, you, you're a inverted writer. Like you should go out and do that. And I'm like, no, because then it's what I do and the motivation is different mm -hmm. it's me i'm doing this i mean it's mental masturbation <laughs> it's it is to me it's just you know it's this, this is just you know burping out a thought and it's done yeah uh, if i'm doing it for a living or if i'm doing it for a a paper or a editor or this my motivation is completely different this is all mine and i can burp out any thought i want at the moment i have it and, you know, once I have it, I just go back to what I was doing two seconds ago. Once I'm doing it for somebody that's going to edit it and put it out for publication and people to digest it, the motivation is completely different. And then I've got a master that's telling me what to do and what to write and what to say. This is the one thing where I can just burp out any thought I want to and that's it. But I mean... I get, like I hundred percent understand all that. I think it, be, it because it puts a, a pressure that you're not wanting to take on when it becomes more of a profession or if you're trying to actually write something. But I remember this, you know, this was years ago on the first account I had, I think I want to say it was probably 12 or 13. I thought a company was like, you could pay them to take your tweets and put them into book form. Do you ever yeah. see that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it ever went anywhere or is anything. And then like, now it's stupid because I just have my account to delete after whatever, because, you know, everyone wants to go back in history and be like, aha, see, look, he's a fucking racist or whatever he is. Or, Which is why uh, I, my know. one thing I will say is delete your <laughs> shit every week. Yeah, I got it set to delete, I think, every three weeks, maybe. I don't even. Hey, that's what I was waiting for. All right, We've been waiting for the floof. <laughs> for those who are not on uh, a YouTube he's version. Made an of this, uh, yeah. Like, What's the cat's name? What's this guy's name? Uh, Neville. Neville. Okay, great. It actually is Neville the cat. Yeah. <laughs> I think miners, miners somewhere locked down because the other one she's. And I got him his battle harness today, so he's very happy about being able to go outside now. <laughs> yeah, God, there's so many things. That I, I, I'm glad I got time here because a, you seem to have a lot of guns. I have a lot of guns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When did that start? Like, because look, I understand it's one thing for me to have a bourbon collection. <laughs> Bourbon's not nearly as expensive as some of the shit you're walking around with, which. Well, I'm also. I, 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 I am I impressed. Say, I generally uh, think that's way more important and more impressive than a bourbon collection. Let's be guns, guns are cheaper than cars. And I've got those here. So. <laughs> yeah. They hold their value um, better, I would say, probably too. Yeah. Um, guns are yeah, cheaper unless than Unless you cars. have a used truck right now, then you're good. So I, I've been collecting since I was 16. Um, you know, it started young. My dad was not a big gun guy. He had guns, but I mean, he wasn't like being collected. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know, yeah. we were, we were pretty poor growing up, you know? 
Uh, I didn't know it at the time, you know, I didn't know. Yeah, before, you just but, grow yeah. Up, right? yeah, you were yeah, growing up. Like everybody else was at the same economic that. level we were. So I'm like, I didn't know any better, but you know, you get to an adult and you're like, Ooh, yeah. Um, so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So my dad didn't have like some big gun collection. It's not like I grew up around this, yeah. but um, you know, when I did have money, that was one of my main interests. It's like, I grew up like, Oh, that would be really cool to have. That'd be really cool to have, you know? And then, you know, I got out of high school, I go to college, you know, uh, have a pretty decent career. Um, and, you know, you have a few extra bucks laying around and like, I'm like, oh, that'd be nice to have this. Stuff. And it just sort of grew from there. Uh, I've been collecting since I was 16, but probably like being able to like actually buy nice things. Yeah. Probably started right around when I was 30 because I graduated um, okay. nursing school in, at 27. And you know, paid off student loans and you know the whole getting started thing. Oh, wait, you didn't wait to just get them paid off by the government. You actually paid yours. Weirdly, I stupidly <laughs> paid mine off uh, with my own money. Uh, I'm an idiot. What's that line? I'm trying to remember the movie. You dumb bastard. <laughs> you dumb bastard. <laughs> you dumb yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. That was really no. stupid on my part. You know. No, that's great to see. So there's an ode to personal responsibility. There we go. This is the first one of the night. Yeah, weirdly, yeah, yeah I, I went to school. Uh, you know, got my nursing degree and took out the money for it. And weirdly, thought I should pay that back. Yeah. <laughs> Silly me. Um. So yeah, I got out of school. Um. You know, wasn't married, didn't have kids. Um paid off my student loans and got to about 30 and I'm like you know living in a uh, two-family flat where I, I own the house and I'm renting out one of the unit you know the upper unit and I have a few bucks and I started just like oh that looked that was cool that and next thing you know I'm like oh I've got like 100 guns um you know it just sort of happens <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've seen some of the pictures you've posted I'm like is like are those really all his because I start doing the math like yeah you know and it's yeah. Well, I'm old, you know, I'm 49 <laughs> years old. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like it started yesterday. Old. I mean, I'm, I'm 49. I started probably, I mean, I had a few guns when I was 30, but I mean, it's, it started when I was 30 actually buying, you know, 19 years is a long time, you know, and yeah, you mean, buy like a couple of years, it adds up. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like if you take your money and spend it on guns, whereas I spend it on bourbon, I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, cause some people are like, how do you have 78 bottles? I'm like, oh, well, you start with one. Well, you start with one. Exactly. That's how all, it's how all collections, whether it's comic books, cars, yeah. electronics, That's whatever amazing. it is, yeah. you start off with like, you know, ooh, ooh. And you, you, next thing you know, like the third or fourth, ooh, you're all of a sudden like, ooh, I've got a lot of that stuff. Um, how does that happen? <laughs> uh, I, I mean- I've seen that though, like with other things that I'm interested in, like I, I, I'm the type of person who has sporadic interest, right? So one thing that I think the thing I started with first was, and I never started collecting them, but it was always music for me. That's what I started with. I never collected, I did all different types of music, but you know, primarily I never really had a guitar collection. I would just have a guitar and then get rid of it. Right. So I have one now, get rid of it. I have one. But I've seen people, I've known individuals who probably have guitars like you have guns. Oh, yeah. And, I, I and know then that. I'm just like, yeah. first of all, and this could be ignorance on my part. But there's, I mean, I get the materials make some stuff yeah. different. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you like playing one guitar, you're probably going to always have guitars that you like playing. So, you just kind of keep getting something that does the same thing and does and sounds the same way. So you're not really, there's not a, it's not like, a, to me, it's not like guns. 
if that, if that makes sense or it's not like it, it does i've got a buddy that's a, a music he's got a guitar collection that is probably comparable to my gun wow. collection okay uh, and it, it's like he's got less pauls fenders yeah, full like... bodies solid bodies i mean it's it's a, it's impressive and i'm not i'm not a guitar guy i'm not a music guy um but i mean i can look at his collection and go that's impressive like i mean yeah. even, even not being an aficionado i'm like that is an impressive stack that he's got and uh you know even if i'm not into it i'm like i can look at it and go damn that's yeah pretty nice uh and and for him he's a musician like he really can tell you oh this one has this tone this one has this this one does this like he's gonna play a specific kind of music yeah buddy the other door is open i swear there's two doors in here I was, I, I'm about to grab Frank at some point. He, he just came out. He's over there. He's over there eating. So we'll, we'll I'm literally like, I left the door open for him and he's like sitting there like pounding the one that's like, well, this one's not open right now. I want that one. How uh, is he? But, but he can literally tell me like what tone each guitar makes and like, oh, if I was playing this kind of, if I wanted this kind of vibe, I would grab this guitar. Like he really feels like each and each individual one gives him a different sound which and, i 100 percent understand i just and i yeah. do too because i'm like <laughs> each each gun i have like i can tell you like specifically why i got that one and why it's unique to all the others like it's like this one like okay what, what's, what's that one right there uh this one here yeah uh, that's a CZ uh, SPO one. Um, so what makes this one? So for all the nervous Nancys, it I did. Well, I thought it was a solid shotgun the, at first, but okay. Yeah, so. I did unload this for you know the show, so it's it's cleared. It's so clear, everyone. Know, all right. Yeah, you know, the you know safety okay. sallies can be a little less nervous. I got this one specifically for a suppressor, so it's got a it comes with a threaded barrel, so <laughs> it it's got that. It's got a specific function. You know, it has uh, a rail for a light. It's got a threaded barrel, holds 18 rounds. It's all steel construction. Um, it has a specific serve. And this is my main carry that I, I carry regularly. Um, and I keep it at my bedside. So that is my. With the silencer? Uh, I have the silencer uh, at my bedside, but it's usually broken down into the smaller configuration. So it's a little more easily maneuverable so it's a little more compact uh, in the night because uh, i have very little hearing left i've actually uh popped off a few rounds in a uh, closed environment and so at my age i gotta preserve what That's little i got left all right so okay good great question now so all right we, we've seen this become sort of a debate what what is what is your take on the the perfect home defense weapon Oh my God! You just opened up all I did. of the. I, all of I the, waited a while to drop that grenade, oof. but there it is. It's been pulled. I dropped. I'm gonna be honest, and is as much as I would love to say a, a, a nine millimeter subgun, uh, PCC, that kind of thing. That's where my heart lies. I'm. It's not the case. Uh, red is 100 right. It <laughs> is going to be a 300 blackout all day long. I mean. It just is. When that caliber came out uh, in the late 90s, is 300 whisper. It it just became God King and it just, so what is. is that for those who have no idea what you're talking about? All right. So to break down that one. Uh, so uh, the guy who owns Q um, he's kind of a combination of mad scientist and engineer and uh, a guy who's really knows what he does is doing. He, uh, he took a, a five, five, six case, cut it down, necked it and put a 30 caliber bullet in that brass case, making a new round. You know, so so to go 
all the way back to people who don't know how this works. When a cartridge is invented, it's called a wildcat. Okay. So if you go to Bass Pro and you buy ammo off the shelf, that is a standard caliber that has been designated and made it all exactly the same way and it has specs. If you're a guy in his garage, like making a weird caliber by cooking something up like Frankenstein, that's a wildcat, you know? That's, so and, it's, and, a, you can, it's, and you can do that. And you can do that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, you can do awesome. that all day long. Um, that's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, but usually those don't catch on and take off. It very rarely do new invented calibers take off yeah. the way 300 blackout did. Well, he invented this specifically with a very specific mindset to say, hey, we have got all these ARs out there in the wild. Uh, I'm going to try and fit my niche cartridge to where you don't have to do much to that rifle that already exists to shoot this. And I'm going to give you a specific reason of why it's great is that it can shoot subsonic rounds and supersonic rounds. So you can go quiet and not shoot very far, but it's going to be quiet. Uh, so you're going to be subsonic below 1200 feet per second, but you can also pop in, you know, supersonic rounds and you can go 2200, you know, 2500 feet per second with supersonic and reach, reach further out. And in honesty, that was a great idea for like SF guys, you know, guys doing super secret yeah. cool guy stuff because you can have kind of two things in one gun just by switching out your Mac, you know, you can be super quiet with your suppressor and, you know, the bullet's only going to be going 1200 feet per second. So it's going to not, not go too far, but it's going to be quiet. And when you want to go loud, you can pop the supersonics in and go loud and reach guy a little further out and hit him a little harder, you know? So yeah, I didn't realize they reduced it by that much with the suppressor. Uh, subsonic, you've got to keep, so subsonic um, is what you want to use with a suppressor because you're keeping the round below the sound barrier where it's not going to crack. Oh, okay. You know, cause there's, there's basically three things that make a noise when the gun goes off. You have the bullet cracking the sound barrier. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the actual firing, the bang of the bullet going off. And then you have the action of the rifle going backwards and forwards. It actually does make a lot of noise. So you have those three things. Yeah. And anything you can do to make those three things quieter, you're going to be more all ninja, super cool guys, <laughs> you know, uh, quiet in the night. And um, this basically kind of allowed you to have two things at the same time you could be quiet or you could reach out and touch people a little further away a little right. bit louder and it's really the first wildcat cartridge that's really taken off and really become mainstream it's still a lower tier like not in the top five as far as sales um but it's it's made it it's not going anywhere it'll be here forever there have been rounds that people have come out with and kind of been adopted and they just die off you know for whatever reason 300 blackout is probably never going to be like as big as 308 or 556, but it's probably not going anywhere ever. It's probably going to stick around forever now, you know. I, so that has its own platform then, that that cartridge? Or is uh, it literally all you have to do is swap a barrel out on an AR. That's, That's a barrel. It. Okay. That's it. It shoots the same bolt carrier group, shoots the same mags, shoots everything the same. Uh, all you have to do is swap out a barrel, which is what he was going for. He was going for, I'm going to make this easy for people who already have these to convert to being able Got to, it. Yeah. because it keeps your cost down. If you have an AR, it's a simple barrel swap or make it even easier. Just 
swap out your upper two pins, pop them out, pop your different upper on, you've got 300 blackout. So for people who are more economically minded, it's like, hey, I can have one AR and have two uppers and I'm good to go. Uh, if you're a retard like me, you just have <laughs> ARs, you know, like you're just a complete moron, you know. So then you are not a shotgun for home defense, guys, what I'm hearing. I own one shotgun. There we go. <laughs> In my entire collection. And it's an 1897 uh, trench gun. Nice. That's all I have. Uh, no, I am not a big fan of the uh, shotgun for home defense. So red is 100% right. Uh, I had 300 blackout all day long. If I had one gun to say, okay, this is your bedside, you know, this is, you can have nothing else. It's going to be an eight and a half inch to nine inch, uh, 300 blackout pistol, probably shooting subs with a can on it. Um, it's, it's one of those things I've done a couple of, uh, spaces on twitter about yeah. suppressors uh and red does really great uh spaces i hope he does those again because he's really in a vast wealth of informa information um but if you are listening out there and you've never wrapped out around uh indoors boy howdy uh it yeah. will <laughs> that's where the ring whole ear protection came into play dude seriously I, it'll <laughs> ring your bell uh it will so since we're here for entertainment, I'll tell you my story. Um, so oh, I, I thought you were going to demonstrate. But okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to demonstrate me shooting an AK while taking a shit. No. Uh, so, <laughs> so what happened was, so I grew, happened? In, uh, I grew up in Shelnob, Missouri and Springfield, Missouri, between those two. Uh, okay. You know, I went to school in Springfield, Missouri and Shelnob is this little tiny town uh, in Southern Missouri on Table Rock Lake. And we have a lot of deer uh, around that area. And we didn't really want deer near the house because we had these idiot hunters that would shoot near our house if there was a deer near there in deer season. So typically we would have something in the house somewhere to just make a loud noise and shoot near the deer to get them to scare away and get away from the house. Well, I had a window in the bathroom. My parents weren't <laughs> home and I just happened as one does. I had an AK-47 next to me. Totally. Uh, <laughs> Well, my morning ablutions and oh, we're losing them a bit. We'll have to reach out and touch out the window and yeah. And, and, uh, and shooting an AK 47 in a small bathroom with no ear pro on will do permanent damage. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was not the best decision I'd made in my life. I've made some bad ones and that's in the top 10. Uh, so, yeah, I I'm a big advocate. I honestly am. You know, in all seriousness, I joke. I 90 percent of what I do is joke and make, you know, funny statements and stuff like that. But in all honesty, I am a big advocate for suppressors. You know, I know everybody's like, oh, you just, a, you know, want to be mall ninja and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, if you want to keep your hearing protection and, and be 49 at my age and not be as uh, hearing damaged as I am, I am a big advocate for a suppressor uh, for home defense, for regular use. And honestly, I don't think they should be uh, an NFA item where you have to spend $200 to get one. They, sh they should be encouraged by the government to save people's ears. I mean, honestly, I'm half deaf. And if I had grown up in an era where suppressors were more common and more affordable, I would probably have a lot more hearing than I already do. Yeah. What's the issue with them being something that is not, like you said, you know, 
favored by the government? What what is it? Because they they look mean and they are aren't as loud and they're in movies. Oh no, that's because of the nineteen thirty four um, firearms act. Um, so oh, well, that's a long time. Yeah, so all uh, NFA items go back to the nineteen. Uh, oh, it might be thirty two. 32 or 34, the NF, uh, the National Firearms Act. So what happened was, is we banned alcohol, to bring it back to that, uh, and all the crime exploded. And the Imagine government's that. solution to everything they do wrong is to make it worse. Uh, <laughs> so since they banned alcohol, which was, you know, a plus number one decision in the first place, uh, and then they caused all the crime in Chicago and everywhere else, uh, they were like, hey, you know, we've caused this huge problem. Let's make it worse by fixing it. Um, and so they passed the Firearms Act because of all uh, the crime and murder and, you know, machine gun deaths. Because you could order a machine gun through the mail back then. I know. That was crazy. You know, right? Sears Roebuck sold them. Seriously. <laughs> Tommy gun, I, I still I have a Sears and Roebuck ad for a Tommy gun, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's true. Like, that's Jesus, you can order a house and you can order a Tommy gun. It's that's great. Libertarian's it. wet dream. Um, <laughs> so... They decided, to, they decided to pass the uh, National Firearms Act uh, and in response to causing all this crime. And a lot of people say it was because of the St. Valentine's Day massacre, um, you know, caused America to be an uproar. And of course, when Americans say do something, uh, the government will and they will do something bad usually. Um, and so they passed the uh, National Firearms Act, which weirdly enough back then the government admitted they couldn't ban guns or gun related things because of the second amendment weirdly they knew that back then so wow. they decided to say oh you can have this but you have to pay a 200 tax back then it was 200 dollars. yes and it was based on the price of a tommy gun so what? yes uh i believe the last time i looked up equivalent values a Tommy gun uh, at two hundred dollars was the equivalent in today's money of about five thousand dollars. Holy fuck! That's still that's a ton of yeah. money. Dude. <laughs> exactly <laughs> for inflation and all that. Yeah. It was about five thousand dollars ish. I'm sure somebody out there with an economics degree is going to correct me in the comments. What uh, did the Tommy gun shoot? Did it shoot nine millimeter? Uh, forty-five ACP. Forty-five. That's right. Okay. Yeah, forty-five ACP. Um, so it was about. <laughs> so what the government did was like, hey, a Tommy gun is uh, two hundred dollars. We'll just make them pay double it and register it. And that'll keep people, that'll keep the nerdy wells from having them. Well, of course that didn't. Gangsters had all the money in the world and they're not following the law in the first place. That, yeah, there's that, there's that catch. Criminal. Right. I'm like, you're not going to stop Al Capone from having a Tommy gun. You know, uh, really? Well, the government says we can't, so we got to figure oh, out. Else. Oh, it says no guns in here. Oh, oh fuck. Oh, well, now we're in trouble. <laughs> I guess we go home and play video games. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Hey, real um, quick, I, you're making a good point, but before I, no, go ahead. I, I remember this because it's pretty pivotal, I think. But go ahead, carry on. As you want. Yeah, pen and paper, write it down. So uh, the NFA uh, passed. Well, nobody could afford two hundred dollars. Well, you know, let time pass enough and inflation and everything else. Well, two hundred dollars ain't what it used to be in no. nineteen thirty-two. And so around about ten years ago, suppressor makers started going, hey, you know, a $200 tax stamp ain't so bad anymore. Yeah. Well, machine guns were banned by Ronald Reagan in 1986. So you, you go, everyone always wants to talk about Reagan. Look, yeah. mass immigration, he took away machine guns. Come on. Actually, the two worst presidents for gun rights were George Herbert Walker Bush and Ronald Reagan. What did Herbert Walker do? 
1989 import ban. Uh, so he banned all non-sporting rifles uh, into the United States. Is that why I can't buy that cool guy shit that the Polish army, like there's that Polish. Yeah, I can't That's get the that. one. Oh, That's the reason. Yep. Yeah. That's why the G3 ha- is made by PTR here in the United States. Because it's an import ban. As long as you make it here in the United States, you're good to go. So you can buy an American-made PTR. You can buy an American-made FAL. You cannot import them past 1989. We got to, where's the lobbyists to overturn that shit? I mean, not with the current administration, but. Well, it ain't going to be the NRA that do it. That's for damn sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, (laughs) yeah. I got an idea. What do you say? What are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the funniest thing is, is I always tell people this. It's like, yeah, Republicans have actually done more. I mean, Ronald Reagan uh, is the reason that you don't have any gun rights in California. Oh, I know. I do know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like as soon as as soon as the black folks started using guns, Ronald Reagan's like, oh no, we're gonna yeah, like, oh my God, what not all Americans. Oh, <laughs> it's you. Yeah. It's a great oh, point. Oh yeah. And Ronald Reagan's probably the actually got the worst record as far as a politician and gun rights. Um, and everybody's like, oh, Ronald Reagan, the greatest only. I mean, God bless him. I mean, I love the 80s. I mean, the 80s were great. I enjoyed the hell out of him, but boy, he really screwed the pooch on us for, for gun rights. Well, I mean, that always goes back to my thing with like Republicans and they always champion this, like their little bumper stickers, like small government. It's like, do you realize how large government's grown under the last under you guys? Yeah. Under the last, well, we, we can throw Trump in since he wanted to be a Republican. He fucking created the space force. We needed that. Bump stock ban. Every, every time somebody gets in my face about like, I mean, and, don't get me wrong. I voted for the guy in 2016 uh, or yeah. 2000 and 2020, uh, not in 2016, 2020, because I'm like, well, look at who's up against. I'm not going for Biden. Um, but I mean, everybody who wants Fair. to like tell me I have to support Trump no matter what. I'm like, no, I don't. That's not I'm how this works. Me. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? You sound as dumb as soon as, 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 soon as you got to support Biden. anything on guns. He folded. Yeah, that's see, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad you're saying it. Go ahead. I'm yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, as soon as anybody gets in my face, they're not like, oh, you have to support Trump. No, I don't. You know, as soon as as soon as he was pressed on something and it's like push comes to shove, he folded. You bump stock ban a couple of things. I'm like, no, I don't. I mean, you got to start looking at guys and really putting their feet to the fire. Like, you know, like me and you, Joe Kent, like these new Republicans that are coming out. There you go. Um, these new Republicans that are coming out. It's like you got to support these guys because the old way of doing it just doesn't work for me. No. And uh, so this goes back to what we were saying. We just mentioned Joe Kent. It's all about the journey, right? So Joe's on the journey to Congress. We got this, but then you've also got the murder cult shirt on for those who are. I do. I got to spoil my boys. All right. Yeah. So So, red brick. Also on the journey to uh, fashion dominance, I guess. Yes. Murder cult, MVZV. Quality merch, quality gear. (laughs) Yeah. And you'll notice. uh, Oh, what's back there? Oh, fiery Julio Rosas. Yep. Nice. I got, I got to support my boys. Yeah. Well, it's actually really good. I told Julio, I was like, man, it's a really good book, dude. I actually like that. What am I yeah. watching it? It's crazy how much gets like buried in the press, isn't it? That dude does amazing work. I know we're bouncing all over the place and I don't care, uh, no, um, but that dude <laughs> does. I mean, honestly, you got, if it wasn't for him, a lot of what happened in 2020, all those riots and everything, all yeah. the, all the damage, all the, all that stuff that's way worse than January 6th would oh, yeah. have just been like memory hold. And, and he, he writes, he was there. He writes about January 6th. He was there. And he was literally in the middle of it. Like all these other people that are reporting, like, you know, Chris, 
Chris Hayes from MSNBC studio. I'm like, God, dude, you're sitting in a nice air conditioned studio. This guy's out there like actually the in it and doing it and reporting it. The term beta male was invented for Chris <laughs> for Hayes. You know what I mean? Like it literally, that guy, I have never despised someone more just based off of their facial appearance mm. than Chris Hayes. I'm sure he's a great man. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm actually not. I'm, I I'm actually pretty he's confident a he's a pretty big douche. Yeah, just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah and, well, I mean, he is. But it's just, it's just men like that are what really bother me. Yeah, yeah. it's a pudgy it's douche is like just the just pure weakness of, of like what is the strength like? But you got to admit the guy has worked that angle for millions of dollars. Like, no, don't get me wrong. Hey. Clearly got more cash than I do, so I'm not. He's yeah. done something. I mean, right. That guy has managed to turn a career in being the, you know, unthreatening white male on the planet, <laughs> who also hates everything about himself. Yeah. Yes, it's the, like like you said, the unthreatening, self-hating white male in New York City, of course. You know, and uh, he doesn't. God even, bless him. He found good. a niche career and he worked it. Yeah, good, so good God bless him for that. Good for him. Only in America, right? The country, yeah. you, the country he hates only in America. Oh, but to get back to, uh, so for the educational purposes of the folks out there, if you want to own a machine gun, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to go through, I am a big advocate for like, do not do anything illegal. Like make sure, you know, you basically have to be a lawyer to own really cool guns right now, you know, the way the laws are, but make sure you know them. It's worth the effort, you know? suppressors $200 tax stamp you know find a find a store in your state you know if your state allows suppressors find a kiosk it makes probably it probably not it, California yeah not California not <laughs> Illinois um seriously I've spent my whole life living next to a state I hate um <laughs> I could seriously do an entire show about my hatred of Illinois I mean that was like me growing up in Florida living next to Georgia I've always hated Georgia yeah dude the popular street bridge can just go any minute I don't care I just went to, <laughs> can Illinoisans stop coming into my state um yeah you have a you have a short-barreled rifles short-barreled shotguns uh, machine guns and suppressors are all covered in the 1934 NFA uh law so if you want any of those cool guy toys, uh, you got to pay the cool guy tax and you got to pay the government $200 and register it, you know, unfun and all that. I know. Um, but I really do advocate having a suppressor, you know, at least one, you know, if you know, rifle, pistol, whatever you use the most, it really does save your hearing. It's really, you know, the best idea for you if you're going to be if you're going to actually be thinking and you're going to be in a scenario where you're going to wrap off around in your house, defend your family, defend your children, defend your life. If you wrap off around, you're going to have about five seconds where you're not going to be real useful. You know, you're yep. going to concuss yourself. Yep. You're going to be, yep. you know, banging your drum. And, you know, that's five seconds that that guy might have an advantage over you if you don't hit him or don't hit him fatally or if you miss or whatever. And, you know, a can will take all of that out of the equation, you know, 300 blackout with 220 grain subs and a suppressor, you know, as much as I love, and I am an eighties kid who loves submachine guns and sub guns and nine millimeters and MP5s and all that stuff. And I will love them till the day I die. I'm also old and the new wave is here and red is right. 300 blackout is the way to go. It, it just is, he's right, I'm wrong. <laughs> and you're going to have a bedside, you know, gun. It's going to be a 300 blackout with a can. It just got to be, you know, to, Where'd the to term really can give you. Come from? I think I've been asking that a while. Where'd the can come from? 
the word can or yeah i mean i, I know it looks kind of like a can but i was just... i have no idea where can came from um i have no idea why that became a euphemism for for suppressors but you know it's it's either saying can and suppressor so i just tend to use that one yeah, yeah. um but it, it just is you know it's all about force multiplier like if you want to give yourself a real advantage over the guy that's very pentagon to do your family harm you know you want to have i want i want all the cheat codes i can get yeah and and a suppressor is a cheat code and you're going to have a 300 blackout with 200 grain subs you're going to be popping that guy and you're not going to be concussed you're not going to be rattling your ears or your drum or whatever and you're not going to be you know giving yourself up for about five seconds where your brain's rattling and you can take the guy out without really having to like blow your ears out and wake up your kid, you know, scare the crap out of them. And then you got them screaming and everything else and just drama going on. And it's an episode of cops all over again. <laughs> you can so, kind of just, it, you know, it, take so that it, all out. It reduces sound, but does it do anything to accuracy? Um, you're going to not in a home scenario situation, not at that distance. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a point of impact shift at about a hundred yards, depending on the can. I've got some cans that don't have much of a uh, point of impact only because they reduce the feet per second by so much. Not, no, actually they speed it up a little bit. Um, oh, really? okay. You actually see a few extra feet per second, just a smidge. Uh, it's not that it's that when the bullet comes out, it's all that airflow, you know, when it comes out of the, of the barrel and then it's got that, however long the can is, it's got to get through that airflow and it yeah. just kind of shifts the air pattern a little bit of that bullet trajectory Usually most cans don't have a lot of point of impact shift at hundred yards. So your MOA shift is going to be pretty minimal, but you want to know what it is yeah. for your can, your setup, whatever it is. So anytime I have a setup and I have a can, I usually go out and I usually zero it without the can on. And then I get an idea of zero with the, with the can to where I know what it's going to do at hundred yards. Usually it's maybe half an inch at hundred yards on most cans. Nice. If it's a rifle round, yeah. pistol rounds don't fucking matter. It's it's not a distance going to matter, and yeah, in a home I, invasion I situation, can't, with I can't hit, it ain't going to matter. I, let me point. I can't hit that wall with a pistol. That's how great I am with them. I'm so bad. You, you could hit something. You could wing him. You know? I no. I'm saying. But, I'm just saying in general. <laughs> if you give me a pistol right now and you're like shoot that wall, I'm gonna miss. You it. might hit it. Oh my! I'm. I don't. I mean, like it's just something I don't do. You know, I like rifles, you know, up oh, there. Well, there are better. I mean, rifles are yeah. always better. Yeah. Well, I, I've been trying to grab one yeah. of these fuckers for the last 20 minutes, but they're running around like crazy fuckers. Anyway. Well, this is the oh, only one. Neville. I actually have two cats, but people don't even realize I have a second one because it looks just like him. <laughs> no, doesn't. Uh, no, okay. she hides. She's just, she's scared. She hides from everybody. Um, no, I mean, that's what's kind of funny to, get you to your rifle as my dad always said, you know, pistols, I mean, pistols are great for concealing and carrying. You can't carry a rifle everywhere you go. So that's why we carry pistols, but you know, uh, uh, depends what state you're in now. I just do <laughs> true. Yeah. Missouri concealed carry. Hell yeah. That's interesting. Um, the neighbor to Illinois, he doesn't let you do anything. I always like to say Missouri is what Texas claims to be. You know, Texas is so full of shit. Like, I can't wait for fucking O'Rourke to win so I can finally tell you. Because the Republic's gone at that point because you'll never have another Republican president again once Texas is lost. But still, it's like you. everyone's always with this, eh, don't mess with Texas. It's like, dude, your fucking state's gone. Do you realize how big? It's close to gone. It's still about 5% Dallas's? red. Yeah, it's still like, yeah. yeah and they keep bringing in more tech and more this and more that. And like, you got five major cities that are all like boosting in tech. 
You're going to be California before you know it. What do you think Austin is? It's fucking San Francisco Central. That's what it is. I mean, yeah. It's the and same I, I hate to say that because like all of, most of my buddies that are in Texas are in Austin. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah. No, I get it. No, don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice that they still like the state freedoms are still there. Mm-hmm. But what happens when they no longer have the, like you said, the Republican control? And then it just. Oh, I always give te- I always give my Texas buddies a hard time because um, Texas, I always say Missouri is what Texas claims to be, because I'm like, you know, Trump took Missouri by 13 points. We, we never, suppressors were always legal here in Missouri. Suppressors weren't even, you couldn't even buy a suppressor in Texas until like about five or six years ago. Yeah, they were basically okay. California. Texas is you know? free though, remember that. You know, Missouri was the fifth state to do uh, concealed carry. You know, Missouri's always, like, everything's been always legal in Missouri. Like Missouri is what Texas claimed to be. So it's kind of funny because I'm like, I've loved living in the state. I love Missouri. I'm a diehard homer and I'm like, I always laugh when Texas, you know, Texans that I talk to are like, yeah, don't mess with Texas. And I'm like, you're not even close to what Missouri is, dude. Yeah. Literally everyone messes with Texas. And Everybody. It's going to so, be weird. I wonder how it's going to shift when they change the state, you know, motto because it's offensive after. Because <laughs> they're so blue. Why, so, you know, why are they saying don't mess? What, what about, we need to change that. That's don't ruffle not inclus- Texas. That's not inclusive. <laughs> So how did, I'm going to turn the tables and interview How did you wind up in California? I got stationed out here. That's how. That's absurd. They have a lot of military bases out in California. Yeah. That's true. Uh, no, so in 2016, the only reason I entered the, so the AGR program is the Active Guard Reserve Program for the Army. Yeah. I was in the reserves at the time. The only reason I came onto that, I put it off forever because I never wanted to do recruiting and i was always told like oh yeah based on your rank because you're so high you're gonna the only option that's gonna be available to you is recruiting and i was saying oh whatever well at this point in 2016 what i was doing wasn't going to allow me to to get my master's completed so i was like all right let me just go do this for three years knock my master's out because your initial tour has to be three years so i do i do my master's in 2018 um 2019 i'm coming up to the end of my tour and they're like hey we got this station commander position down in benicia which is where i'm at now and it's like do you want to do that and i was like well it's a leadership position great um but it also let me stay another three years in california which you know and to be fair where i'm at in northern california i love like southern california eh, not so much i mean the that's the thing it's like california is like every other state it's like this one red dot yeah. Well, where I was at in Roseville, I was all the red states. Like, it's just one blue dot ruins all the rest of the red for everybody else. Where I was at in Roseville, I was up in Roseville and then I lived in the neighboring city, if you want to call it that, Rockland. And it's right in Placer County, which is like the reddest fucking district you can find in arguably the country. Like, it's a super red area. Yeah. Uh, Congressman McClintock, I think he's the congressman still there. Um, But then even being down here, like, yeah, like I, I grew up a Giants baseball fan like as a kid in little league like being a Giants fan like in Florida San Francisco was a world away like I never their games always came on when I was in bed like it was it was never anything I ever thought I would be able to go see in person and then being here so closely and you know now I'm going to a game tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon um yeah it was just an opportunity to stay in here a little longer an extra three years which I did Uh, I'm done now and my brother's in Southern California. So this has never been, you know, an ideal state from a government standpoint. I just wish we could swap, gov- like if we could just trade the governor 
of California to Florida and bring DeSantis over here and let him just kind of do everything here for California. Well, that's the thing is I love California as far as like the- beautiful state. It's just everything else. The weather, the land, it's just gorgeous. It's just- And then, like I said, Northern California. You got NorCal River Rat up the road, man. Like it's beautiful area, but- It's It's just full of Californians. It's- even the people I like the people I'm not going to lie. I've never met more fucking military friendly people than being here. I'm not going to, I'm that, that's, that's dead honest. Truth. I have heard that. Yeah. It's, but it's the, it's the government's man. It's every single one of them from the governor's one thing. He's a clown, but you know, let's look at San Francisco. They haven't had a Republican mayor of San Francisco. I think since 64 or 67, yeah. something like that. Like at some point, and you've seen this. I've talked about this on a few other pre- podcasts. Like you, you're starting to see it. Like the city of San Francisco is slowly coming around. Like they're they're throwing out. Well, there's a lot of red pilling going on right now, where people are like, "Yeah, they're oh, over it." Man. What the they're over it? But then also, like I said, like a dude, after 70 years of doing something one way, you probably shouldn't even remotely look at blaming the other people who aren't even had it. They haven't even had a chance. You can't say right. the issues that plague San Francisco or a lot of these Bay Area cities. That they're not Republicans' fault. I, I got to give Democrats props for being able to destroy something and then still blame the other guy when the yeah. other guy has no control over anything. It's just like, oh no, if these guys would just get out of our way, dude, you've been in control for seventy years. Yeah, so it is. It is weird to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I, I love it. I'm in Napa now. Like, I, I, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm looking. So, do you think you'll stay right in now. California? You know, even yeah, after your... tomorrow, I'm ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go, man trying to get a job and get out of here so yeah no um all right the interview of you and me is over i'm back to you all right so let me ask you this is what i was going to talk about earlier what and this may take like this isn't a joke it's serious what was a worse government decision do you think was it prohibition or was it the global war on terror that's a hard one um there's my grenade the pin has been pulled yeah that's that's Often. a big old that's a big old grenade because look we can justify the response after 9-11 no one will argue um it. went into iraq I, in 03 which was where i, I started would, honestly knowing I, i'm a my dad was a history major and i'm, I'm a big history oh buff. great get him on the phone <laughs> yeah uh he, he'd actually be a great interview um i would say totality prohibition yeah totality um because of can you imagine social media during prohibition oh jesus christ oh god <laughs> oh jesus christ could you imagine social media on 9-11 oh fuck man that's a great oh, fuck me holy shit yeah because you already see people with their could you imagine everyone already has a syndrome as it is what say that yeah. tiktokers on 9-11 God. people on the fucking planes you would have been seeing them tweeting shit oh yeah the planes, they'd have been tiktoking right? like oh my god omg i'm about yeah. to die seriously um honestly prohibition because i mean take you know imagine prohibition doesn't happen well number one you know taking the history of how prohibition happened you know with the um that movement that that caused prohibition to happen um and honestly if if you haven't seen uh prohibition by the uh pbs historian you know the documentary Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great watch. It's really, it's, it's amazing. Um, but how prohibition happened is honestly a, a real study in American politics. 
And then once it happened, the damage that was done, the, you know, you know, take prohibition. It's like, we may not have mobs. You, you may have like all these things that we're still dealing with today. Um, yeah, it really destroyed a lot of lives. It, it did so much damage. Um, as bad as, as a decision was to go into Iraq and not focus on Afghanistan and the response to 9-11 and how, how badly the global war on terror was handled, as bad as that was, and it is bad, I would say historically, and you know, it's hard to say because we're we're really not seeing the repercussions of a global war on terror for 80 years like we have prohibition. I would say right now prohibition, but that could change with how badly the trajectory and you know the bouncing of history from the global war on terror happens. You know, we haven't seen the end of the this is gonna get a little philosophical, like. I view life as a ricochet, you know, mm, yeah. and, you know, history comes along and you have these moments in history, like the shooting that started world war one, you know, you, you take the German chancellor out who isn't assassinated by a, a $10 gun by a $3 peasant, you know, and you know, how many millions of people aren't killed because of that one murder that happens. You know, it's like, so life and history yeah. is this series of events that do this, yeah. you know, and just trajectory and, and bullet ricochet throughout history. And, you know, I don't know what the trajectory of the global war on terror will be long-term 80 years down the road when me and you were long dust. Um, it could be worse in the long-term than prohibition. Right now, I would say prohibition because of, how bad the uh, the repercussions were of that of all of the negativity all of the bad things all of the fallout um because people like oh well prohibition ended and then it was all over no there's things that happened that never got recovered because that mobs were made to be billionaires that are still going on i mean mob families that were created in prohibition are still going on today you know i have and, and you talk about talk the origin of because that of let privacy <laughs> issues because I, I actually was in, you know, John Gotti died in Springfield, Missouri, because the, you know, the federal. Uh, you look prison, familiar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, uh, uh, the federal prison is in Springfield, Missouri. Is that where he was? I always thought he was in New York. That's crazy. Uh, no, it, it, well, he got sick. Remember, he died of cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got sick. Yeah, when he got sick, uh, the, the federal prison hospital is in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, did you work oh, on him? No, were you a nurse? No, I'm just kidding. Go Bears. No, but, hey, but, uh, bears, uh, no, but bears, go back uh, to what you were saying with prohibition, though, like the temperance movement and what people really yeah. realize. Could you go back to see like this ties into there will be bourbon and all these yeah. wonderful like look what the tempers were doing in the state of Kentucky. They like they were literally burning distilleries like they were yeah. trashing merchants. The, and, like, yeah, they were, the temperance movement they were a no violent joke. group. Highly, of, they I were mean, terrorists. They were domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorists. Actual. <laughs> they would be on watch lists. You know, like today yeah. they would be like domestic terrorists. Like watch yeah, list You go back stuff. and look at the tempers in the, the early 1900s that preceded the prohibition. Like that was real. Yeah. And it was violent. Yeah. I mean, they were burning shit. They were blowing shit up. I mean, it was, it was, it was severe. And it was almost like a lot of the politicians that went with it was like, well, we just need to get this violence down. Prohibition was this, is 
a fascinating moment in American history of how, you know, I, I love my country. I love the United States. Uh, one of the things about it, though, is that when the United States citizenry screams do something, the politicians will do something. And usually it'll be something very stupid. You know, I mean, usually they will do something absolutely horrible in response to you screaming, do something. So you you bring up a great point. So let me lay this out. Right. Because this is, you know, it is there will be bourbon. I I drop some nuggets from time to time. But I've talked about the bottled and bond act several times in the show. Are you familiar with the bottled and bond act? I am not. So educate me. Great. 1897, the bottled and bond act. The first thing ever regulated by Congress was bourbon. Yeah. So the bottom and bond. I remember the first tax was on alcohol or something like that. 1897. So 1897, bottom and bond act comes out. It stipulates and puts into law what actually can be classified as bourbon from the recipe to the times it's, you know, under a federal warehouse. All the shit about how to make bourbon is. is, So the German Beer Act, basically. Yeah. So it's clarified in the bottom and bond act of 1897. Well, what shortly followed? Here comes the temperance movement. Well, what came after that? Fucking prohibition, all within literally, like you just said, it's all second and third order effects, right? Because the bottom bond act was necessary because it had to make you had all this shit going on with whiskey, like you had rot gut, that term that came from because people mm. were making fake products, right? And if you yeah. even go back to the term proof in the United States, what it used to mean in Kentucky is when it came to proof of bourbon. If you were a merchant and you were trading your bourbon to somebody for something else in order to prove it was real, they would light it on fire. And if it burned blue, it was legit. And that was where the term proof came from because you proved what you had was actually whiskey and not some colored bullshit. And even to this day, even it's really weed. It's not a bunch of yeah, well, spices. Right. Even coming from the Auden <laughs> Bond Act, right? You can't, that color cannot be created from anything other than bourbon in the in a new charred barrel right it can only have water added to it to prove it down you can't add caramel color anything which you can do to whiskey which you can do to scott which you can do to any other spirit the bottom bond act specified that only water could be used to prove something down or to be added to bourbon or whiskey in america so yeah but that kind of leads to okay well now we've created a market that completely like narrows down the classification of what bourbon is and now so that starts being sold legitimately well then here come the tempests right and so the next 20 years they're kind of going off on this battle of the tempest movement which ultimately feeds right into like when the when the prohibition 1919 no 1919 was the fucking women's right to vote so 1920 what was it 21 it's right after that i can't remember when prohibition passed it's, it's not at the top of my head prohibit that's good because we yeah 1920 to 1933 so yeah 1919 was the women's right to vote the 19th amendment whatever and then yeah led right into prohibition so how would well, you not allow today, people to only... drink when you let women vote you have to let people still drink right no i'm just so uh since you're uh very educated on this subject why can you only use a whiskey barrel like once or twice and then we have to like sell it off to like scotland yeah, so that's the that well that's the that's 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 bourbon right so the new charred oak barrel has to only be in it which it states on most bar- bottles right so once you you char in a, a barrel right so inside you get a char and that comes all the way back from elijah craig so he was the guy if you, elijah craig bourbon you familiar with that oh yeah 
All right. So Elijah Craig made by heaven Hill. So Elijah Craig, I believe was, he was Baptist preacher or pastor. I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't know what they call their whatever, but Elijah Craig was one of them. Uh, his leftover corn, he would turn into bourbon or at the time whiskey. And so he had a fire in one of his little, uh, farmhouses that had the corn in it and his barrels and apparently a barrel got charred and that created the legacy of like he was the first person to char barrels and age whiskey in it whether that's true or not i don't know it's a cool sounding story however from that day forward you would take a new white american oak barrel you would char it so there's all there's levels of char right there's one two three and four most are three or four some people are experimenting with five and all that means is how much time that barrel is being charred. So mm. it's like these jet engine fire things to charm yeah. and the amount of, so what that does is it obviously chars the interior of the barrel, but it pulls out all the sugars and caramelizes them from the wood. So when you introduce whiskey into that barrel and you let it there, that's what gives all the bourbon its color. Whiskey is clear when it goes into the bottle or into the barrel. You're so all the color to and a flavor guy who's a hillbilly who's actually cooked this shit. So yeah, yeah I'm so aware. Moonshine is not moonshine, right? Moonshine would be just fucking moonshine. Yeah. You put it in a barrel. My lightning. Say, yeah. So you char it and that's where you get bourbon from. Right. So that's yeah. why it is. It. And now once it's done by law, you can't use it again. So that's why, and this is really cool. I think I, I learned this, I think it was 2016, so like, when is that, when, what is that, what's the background of that law? You can only use it once and it's one and done. For bourbon, for bourbon, yes. Now, bourbon. Well, so so this gets into- So then it gets sold to like Scotland and Ireland and all those yeah, people. Yeah, so like when I was people. at the Bullet Distillery doing a tour there in 2016, they talk about like the lifespan of an, act, of an average barrel is about a hundred years because they'll use it once. Yeah. You got all these cooperages around Kentucky that produce barrels and there was a shortage of barrels for a while once this bourbon boom kicked off, right? Because you can only use it once. Yeah. So- They'll use it once. The next thing they usually do is they ship it to Puerto Rico, right? Or they ship it to Scotland. Actually, it's Scotland. I'm sorry. They ship it to Scotland because the Scots, the Scots, not the Scots, the Scots started using it for Scotch, right? Yeah. For the longest time. And that's the big thing with Scotch and bourbon is like bourbon, you know, Kentucky gets such a variance of seasons and temperatures. They can do for the most part what Scotland takes, you know, 20 some years to do. They can do it in about four to seven, right? But Scotland, in order to kind of add more flavor into the scotch, they started using bourbon barrels. Once that's done about 15 to 20 years in Scotland, they'll ship the barrel over to usually, you know, Spain or whatever to do some ports with. And eventually it'll get found, find its way down to the Caribbean, to Puerto Rico or whatever to do rum. And over that time, they've estimated that that's about 70 to 100 years old for one barrel is how long it's been used for. So think about all those fucking barrels in circulation that are being used in Puerto Rico and the Caribbean right now to age rum in. They're barrels that were used and created literally almost 100 years ago. Because they just keep cycling them. Damn. They only yeah, use it once. Kind of curious I, was like, you can only I was, use it once. I watched some documentary on like, you know, the American whiskey, bourbon, you know, it's a barrel making market and i'm like holy shit like what fucking american history that's what's so cool about bourbon like it, it is alcohol and people will always you know have their pros and cons in terms of opinions on it but just look at what came because of bourbon look at trade in the state of kentucky and the ohio river they literally created the steamboat because they just couldn't get stuff down to new orleans quick enough and then there's this there's this urban legend on like 
the creation of the thoroughbred. Well, they used to have these horses waiting in Louisiana after they take all their whiskey down. And these horses were bred to be quick enough to escape those who were waiting to rob the merchants who had just floated all their fucking whiskey down to New Orleans or whatever to shit to, to, to sell it so they could get back to Kentucky. So they started, the, the legend is the, the Kentucky thoroughbred came from that. They created a breed of horses that were fast enough to get away from these bandits who were waiting to rob them after they sold their whiskey. Well, that's that fucking brings, incredible. That kind of brings me, yeah. So I'll kind of go through my backstory. Um, so uh, you did bring this. it back you to, were bandit, uh, weren't you? <laughs> so bring it back to like, you know, uh, that kind of backstory. I had, uh, I, I grew up in Southern Missouri and we had, uh, a couple of people in my family that were cooking <laughs> white whiskey, uh, you know, Allegedly. And, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, it wasn't really like a, a money-making thing, you know, like it was in prohibition and all that. It was just, Hey, I can make it for a lot less. Than I can go to the store and buy it. So a lot of people don't realize, like when you when you cook it, like you said, if it's not done in barrels, there's no color to it. There's no reason for it to have color because right. the natural production of it is is clear. Yep. You know, it's it's like water. You know, it's just clear. You know, the color comes from the caramel and the sugar that is in the barrels. Yep, that's where it gets its color is that charred barrel and that's the only place it gets color from if you just cook it and it's alcohol it's clear and you know usually the stuff that you know gets made you know people that talk about white lightning by the way all of you millennial nerds that think you're buying white lightning in the liquor store <laughs> seriously go that's fuck yourself fun. sideways that's no uh, nothing is getting sold in a liquor store that has not gone through um, a whole lot of the Food and Drug Administration, all that shit. So this stuff, May 1st of 2022, right? And I can't say his name, but he's probably someone. Please you don't. <laughs> yeah, he's probably someone you follow as well, but he's a mutual of ours. Yeah. And uh, he made this and yeah. this stuff. Say the date again. You sure? Yeah, say the date again. May 1st, 2022. Yeah, not not aged a whole lot, is it? Yeah, nah. it's, it's at 100 proof, and uh, you know what? Oh, it's only 100? Hey, he miled it down for you. He did. Nice. For the spirit of this continued conversation, we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of this, because it's actually oh, yeah. so, fucking good. Like, and then you get into like when you're making it, you probably know this. So you get the hearts, the tails, yeah. the, what are, what's the other one? Hearts, tails. God, I gotta look this. But up. typically our stuff came out like 160, 180. You know, so that was like light your esophagus on fire. You know, right? And so by bourbon, by law, it has to go into the barrel at 125 proof, no more than that. And the only way yeah. to proof it down is by adding water, right? So there you go. Yeah. And so. A, a lot of people like, you know, Heads, oh, hearts had, and tails. You know, there you go. Yeah. Right. A lot of people like, oh, I've had white lighting. I this not. No, you haven't. Yeah. Nah, you probably it, have not. Yeah. You know, you're 100% yeah, it, right. Because, I mean, Buffalo Trace offered, they sell this, they sell white dog, right? You can get, yeah. right? Which actually, I'm not going to lie. As I put this back here real quick. <laughs> the stuff, it, it, the white dog that they sell, it's actually really good because at that moment you get to taste the mash bill. 
which is essentially right. So when I say mash bill, it's like, that's the recipe right now by law, bourbon has to be 50, at least 51% corn. Yeah. And then there, that's when the art comes into making it right. Like how do you get your mash bill? And then what really dictates what the flavor is, is the types of grains you use, where they're from, but also your yeast strain, the yeast strain people don't understand about like, that's, that's the continuity, right? So you get to taste all that stuff before, like you said, the caramels and the sugars that come from charring those barrels get infected into the, into the, the liquid that you put in there. Yeah. And that's, if you can make that stuff taste good, well, you already know what's going to happen in a few years. Once the magic starts, if you got something good that comes off the still, but if it tastes like crap coming off the still, you probably don't want to put that in a barrel. And that's yeah. where the tails come in. Right. And that's, that's the so, art. Like, I grew up like, like, you like know, that stuff. Everybody fascinates me had, how people do this. Everybody in my family had like, a five a gallon milk jug full of you know white whatever yeah and that stuff would light your lungs on fire you know so as a kid <laughs> you know when i'd go in and like you know every we all do like breaking you know sneak some whenever you know look yep. at somebody out of town or you know you're being babysat or whatever i mean the stuff we were sneaking was 160 180 you know that's crazy man that would like that would just just burn you all the way down um, that's when you lose flavor though right like you don't really oh no there's no flavor this, this is just this is all <laughs> just, just get drunk effect. this is just all for effect you know, yeah there's no sipping enjoying you know having a cigar and you know sitting there with your brandy and all that you know no, yeah. no, this is just get you the f up you know <laughs> um and uh i i can remember like what's knobs creek highest proof like 125 knobs creek uh knobs creek. well i got a so I think their single barrel goes up to 120. Yeah. So I gave like a friend of mine, you know, cause and that's what I love. Yeah. I love barrel proof. The higher the proof, man, I love it. I love so it. So most you're going to find in the store is going to be 80, you know? And I was like, okay, here, try this. I, I had a 120 on the shelf, you know, uh, on a bar and he absolutely got lit on fire. This, you know, like at 120, I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So m most of the white stuff that like my family would occasionally cook up or whatever was going to be 160, 180. That's going to light your esophagus on fire if you don't like mellow it out, mix whatever. I mean, you there's gotta, a reason they call it bathtub gin, bathtub this. That. You had to make cocktails and make drinks back then because that shit was toxic. That's and a good it was point. Harsh. That's a good point where the cocktails. Yes. And how that comes the around. Prohibition brought about the cocktail and mixing it with, you know, fruit juices and this and that, because it was hard to take down. It was, a, yeah. it was just like, Hey, we're here to get your buzz on. It's <laughs> not for you to sit here and enjoy like, Ooh, that flavor yeah. is nice. No, you're here to drink it and get fucked up. And that's, that's my it. point. Like, you know, mentioning this guy, we can't say his name, but he did what he sent me another one, which I told him, I gave him reviews on both of them like this, like his actual moonshine is delicious, but he did one where he sent, it's like a little jar with those little aging coils. And I told him it tastes like clay. It tastes like Play-Doh. It's awful. Don't the do best. that. Don't put those stupid little aging coils into anything. Cause they don't fucking work. No, it's a gimmick. Uh, the best moonshine I've had is time and the guys do barrel. peach. What is it? Real moonshine, peach. When they get a, okay. a peach flavor to it, takes that edge off where even if it's 140, 150, 160, it makes it, it smooths it out. Yeah. Really nice. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in that kind of shell knob, you know, Southern Missouri kind of thing. And that was to shift gears and go to a different, you know, kind of Do thing it. in that category. It was a great way to grow up. I mean, I'm going to kind of go to my background and just say, Do it. that's see now here's comes the bio finally. So, <laughs> you know, I was born in 73. I was born in Kansas. We moved to Southern Missouri very quickly. And I grew up between Springfield and Shell Knob. And, you know, it, it's only now that I'm 49 years old and realize how lucky I had it that I grew up with a leave it to beaver life. Yeah. You know, my parents were happy. They were, they stayed married. I had, you know, me and my sister and, you know, I was, of course, like most kids, like, you know, oh, you know, my parents are horrible, this and that. I'm like, I had the best life growing up. I had, I mean, we, my parents lived in Springfield. My grandparents and all my family were in Shelna, Missouri, on the lake of Table Rock, uh, hillbilly shit. Um, and, you know, that's where I spent my summers, my weekends, every weekend. I didn't know it back then, but they were, we were going to my grandparents every weekend because we saved on food. You know, <laughs> you know, and, you know, believe me, I hate the taste of powdered milk like anybody else. Uh, but I mean, it was it was a great way to grow up in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, spending your weekends on the lake and the summers on the lake with your grandparents. Um, my background is my my grandfather was uh, World War Two in Korea. My father was uh, Vietnam. Um, I'm literally the only male in my direct family that did not serve in any way, shape or form. And all of my family was combat, not, not served, but combat served. Yeah. But you're still in that you, whether you went into the military, you still are in that sort of field. If you think about it for what you do, like you you serve others with what you do just because you didn't put a uniform. I'm I'm very careful about saying I did, but I'm very careful about making clear that I never served because it's weird. So, you know, a lot of the guys you do these shows with are, are, yeah, I talk to every, I try to talk to everybody. It just works out. You do. Um, I, you know, for my background, you know, for the guys out there that served and everything there for the guys who didn't serve, but grew up in a military family, like there's this feeling of like, you have to make it very clear. You didn't because you have all the vernacular, you have all the mannerisms, you have all of that, like military culture in you, but you didn't serve. So every once in a while, you almost feel like you're faking it, you know, that somebody, you feel like you're stealing valor sometimes when you use terms and this, that I'll give you one example. Uh, a guy I work with used the term gray water Mm. and I immediately was like, oh, you were in the Navy. And he was like, yeah. And, you know, we started talking and that, oh, where did you serve? And I was like, oh, I didn't, mm, you, you know, and I'm like, that's the first thing I, I point out. Cause I'm like, I'm very careful about that. Cause I'm like, you know, a lot of the vernacular abbreviations, mannerisms, the just physical mannerisms I have, because yeah. literally every aunt, every uncle, every cousin, you know, all of them, you know, my, my two main influencers in my life were my uh, grandfather and my dad, you know, well, my grandfather, World War II in Korea, my dad, Vietnam. I mean, that's literally what made me. And so I have all those mannerisms and abbreviations and all. um, I, I got told at work not too long ago, like I, they were not okay with me using the term above my pay grade. 
you know <laughs> they were like oh well the patients might not be okay with you like da, da, da. you know yeah. they just didn't think it was like the right term to use and every once in a while you know i'll have people just directly think that i was in and i'm like no 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 i wasn't you know it, no because i have all those mannerisms and just physical cues that you would think somebody might have that that served because i grew up around it and i grew up right. in it you know and i didn't serve and it's like you have this almost like feeling of stolen valor when somebody thinks that and you're like no 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 i i didn't i, I didn't I, you know don't don't think i'm trying to fake something you know I, I mean so you didn't go into it which is fine i mean you know not everyone has to not everybody has that calling to them but think about that's what i'm saying like i don't i don't know if this is you trying to explain it it's more of like i would say coupled with what you actually do and then let's go back to your actual weapons knowledge and all that like you know more than probably 90 percent of the dudes who do serve i'm not gonna, that that i don't know half the fucking shit you're talking about half the tonight you know and i've been around this stuff for 20 years like i know what i need to know but you are you're far beyond that and then on top of that like i said your actual job, you, you, you would, you're a medic, right? Just cause well, you don't put a uniform yeah. on to do it. Like you're, and you're far advanced in terms of your training and what you actually do as a, as a, as a nurse and all, because you're beyond medic training. So, so to give that background, so that's yeah. why I wound up doing that. So, you know, uh, I always assumed I was going to go in the military growing up, like all these kids growing up from like, you know, junior high, high school and stuff like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, I knew what I was going to do. I'm like, I'm going in the military. Like, that's just how it's going to be. Like, there was no doubt, you know, like everybody in my family, that's what they did. Yeah. Whether they did their foreign out and then use the GI bill to yep. go get, go to college, whatever. But I'm like, that was not a doubt. Like I knew what I was doing. I had no doubt. Like I was almost confident in like, I didn't have to question what I was doing, you know, in life, you know, like I was in elementary school, junior high. I'm like, well, I know what I'm doing. It's one of the reasons I was such a jackass in elementary school. I'm like, I don't have to do this shit. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I know where I'm going. Like it's it, whatever it is, what it is. And um, so I'll give some secrets away. I was, uh, so I was in uh, Springfield, Missouri, going to high school. I was on soccer team. And, you know, like I said, I was, I'm going, to, I'm going to the military. I'm going to go into the army like my dad did. I'm going to do what my dad did, you know, no doubt. And I, I'm in high school. I'm like on soccer team. And so for those who don't know, soccer is like a summer sport. And so you start practicing before the school year starts, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going in. And so for reference, I was going to be going into my junior year at 17. I would be going into my senior year at 18. That's kind of my age timeline. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know, two or three weeks before school's about to start. We're doing our usual soccer practice like we do every year. We'd go to, you know, I part few high schools where I went to high school. Uh, we, you know, start out at six in the morning. We'd run our two-mile warm-up. And then we'd go and do our soccer drills. I do my two-mile warm-up. It's the summer for my junior year. We do our two-mile warm-up. I'm ready to go back to the soccer field. And as we're going back, long story short, I get run over by a car. What the fuck? You got run over by a car? I I got I'll I'll DM you pictures of it. So Holy I got hit by the most beautiful car in the world. If what? you're gonna if you're gonna get hit a man, Ferrari F Testarossa 1967 Mustang GT black on black fastback, the most 
beautiful car you've ever seen in your life. Debatable, but okay. But you got hit by it. It's 67, (laughs) dude. It's a beautiful Mustang. Beautiful car. It's too small. Unfortunately, very sharp nose for a hood. Um, (laughs) So we were like, there was a, there was a water fountain between. How'd you not see the car coming? What I need, I got questions, Rob. I got questions. No one saw the so, car. In my Nobody? defense, it wasn't a real road; it was an access road. In my defense, I'm not. So, I'm not even defend, like nobody saw the car to be like, "Hey, no." Don't she cross hit the three. Road. She hit three other people. In my defense, oh my I wasn't the only one. So you have my high school. You have the parking lot. You this have. I ended the careers field. of four people. What a dick. She was. <laughs> she even worse, of course. She, she was drunk on the way to her work at Jean Shack. <laughs> Not even kidding. You know, dude. I mean, you're a little bit younger than I am, so you yeah. don't probably remember the days. There was a time where you would like give your used jeans to a store, and they would resell them. Um, that was a thing in the eighties, like I mean, selling so used CDs, selling that? used what? jeans. Oh my God. It was a thing in the eighties. So I was, so there was my high school, the parking lot, the football stadium. And then way back in the woods was the soccer stadium. And there was this little blacktop access road between the football field and the soccer field. And we were all like, you know, drinking out of the fountain and spitting water on each other and playing grab ass and all that stuff as you do when you're 17, 18 years old. And I was joking around with the other guys. We were chasing each other and like going back to do our drills. And I was had a mouthful of water. I was going to try and, you know, spray a guy. We were all spraying each other and I'm running after him. And the next thing I heard, I heard tires screeching and a thump. And Jesus. that was it. And my life changed from that moment on. So um, what happened? So she was That's... drunk. She was late to what? work. She was drunk. She was wait. She was late to work. She's early and... in the day to be drunk and late to work. What's going on? <laughs> Well, I mean, it was the 80s, man. I mean, yeah, I was partying, you know. so she was partying, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I, I've got over it. You get her number? Uh, I was 18 and she was probably in her mid-20s. Not really probably interested in somebody who was probably Perfect. five and 100 pounds. Turn, let's go. <laughs> so I, I think she was the manager at like a used jean. It was called yeah, the Jean yeah, Shack. The jean shack. It, yeah, it was yeah. near our high school. It was called the Jean Shack. And she was on the way to work. She was late and she was using this little shortcut that was not really a road. It was an access road to like service the high school's football stadium. And so you wouldn't think at six in the morning, there'd be a car on that, you know? So we were all running across the field to go back to our soccer field to do drills. And I'm running with everybody else. And I just got the worst of it, you know, um, she hit the brakes. She hit me right above the knees, the femurs and snapped my right femur right in half, broke a lot of other stuff. But the main thing was my femur snapped and it turned it um, 180 degrees like this. So it's basically an it's internal. Not it's not good. No, it wasn't. I got pictures. I'll send them to you. They're really. I can't wait. I'm looking for. They're really after disgusting. <laughs> um, so basically what they told me later because i was i was in a coma for like a week um, what hold th- this well, gets worse i thought maybe you just got hit by a car and broke your leg fuck no well thankfully i went above the car and not below it um so she hit the brakes my she hit me right above the knees and it snapped my right femur right above the knee at my growth plate 
and I went on the hood and the windshield and then I went up in the air and I landed on the street and then rolled into the ditch right next to the soccer field. And so go down the list, it compound fracture on the left lower leg, uh, shattered my right femur. Uh, my rib went through my diaphragm, um, punctured my lung, um, broke my right arm, right wrist, right shoulder, uh, shattered this orbital bone here, broke my jaw here. Um, trying to think of anything else. So this was all told to me later because I hit the ground, I rolled over in the ditch and I believe it or not, I had a compound fracture in my lower leg. I, I can send you the picture of the scar. Um, the bone was sticking out. And weirdly, my right leg is shattered above the knee and my left leg is compound fractured below the knee. And I stood up. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll tell you a lot about shock. Um, yeah, what, what's, up with, what's up with that adrenaline and that shock? We're good. Yeah, so <laughs> I stood up and my soccer coach, literally, I remember, I will never forget this moment where I'm... I just turned 17 and I was, I stood up and my soccer coach's eyes are like this big. Like they're just bugging out of his and head. This fucker saw this shit happen. Yeah. Cause I went up in the uh, air and even the football players who were on the field, like they saw me yeah. go above the horizon and back down. That's how high I went. Jeez. I landed on the street, rolled in a ditch. Um, and my, I tried, I remember thinking like, I got, I thought I got bumped. You know, like I thought it was a bump. Like I got, I heard the tire screeching and a, and a thud, and I was like, I thought I got bumped, and um, I, I thought, you know, okay, I just got bumped by something. I didn't know what it was, and I tried to stand up, and my soccer coach is just like, sit, sit back down, sit, plead for the love of God, sit back down, um, and I remember laying back down, and my right leg was at a ninety degree angle, like at the knee, it was just at ninety degrees. You know, yeah, it just went like that and uh I, I was in the you know I got picked up you know they were asking me uh you know what are your parents you know what's their number you know uh can we call them you know, this that and I was like give them my dad's I gave him my dad's number uh and this is back in the days when uh if this you had to know your parents you'd better be dead you know <laughs> <laughs> you also need to have to, you had to remember phone numbers kids don't know yeah you actually had to have them in your head you know this is before the internet Kids you know, are... and this is back in the days where, like, you didn't call your parents for no good reason. Like, you, you called your parents, you better be dead, you know. <laughs> uh, so I figured it was good enough to call my dad at work, you know. Um, so I, I gave him my number, you know, this and that. I get taken the ambulance to the hospital. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a halfway decent story. Uh, and I'm, in the, <laughs> I'm in the ER and my dad shows up and I've only seen my dad crying once in my life, once in my entire fucking life, once. And that was it. Um, and my dad came in because he thought I was dead, you know. And he comes in and he's crying. And it, I literally, I was, awake, I was awake and conscious for most of this. It wasn't until like about maybe an hour after I got hit that I went unconscious. Um, and my dad came in and my coach came in and he was like all freaked out and everything. And I remember asking my coach, am I going to be okay for practice tomorrow? 
Yeah, I mean, same sure, time. Sure, buddy. Yeah, you bet. Right? Um, running across the same access road, a little bit more head on a swivel this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have have your head up there, you know. Be aware of your surroundings. Isn't that crazy, um, though, man? And that, that was the last it? memory I have of that for a week. So I was basically put under for surgery, and I don't have any memories for like about a week or two. Isn't that crazy? Because I went through about – your body is, though, in that moment? I, I think because you don't conceptualize what just on. happened to you, right? You're just like, yo, what's up? Let's get back yeah. out there. I think it was just they had to do so many surgeries on me. You know, they had to put me under yeah. so many times, you know, okay. because uh, they fixed the first thing they did was fix my femur, you know, and get it straightened back out. And because yeah. the way they I was told later is that basically it was an amputation, but internal, like the skin wasn't broken, but everything inside was. Right. You know, uh, it was like basically it was an internal amputation and uh, they had to, you know, regraft blood flow, like arteries and veins. They had to reattach from what I understand, because, again, I was 17. My parents are signing all my permission stuff in the hospital and everything. They're telling me all this later. Um, they were able to use most of what was already in there, like my own ligaments and stuff. They were able to sort of piece together, repair, whatever. Um, so they didn't put a lot of plates and screws and all that stuff in for the actual, like putting my leg back together. Um, but it definitely negated my sign up for the army. I mean, it's so, like, look, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we can, what we call hot seat, a lot of things. Um, cause let's be honest, I broke this, like, so my arm here, I'm, I was a pitcher, my, between my junior and senior years in high school, I, I was playing AAU. I was, I I've seen the pictures. You were a specimen. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I had a misdiagnosis to where they thought I had stress fractures. Oh, wait, no. They thought I had tendonitis. I actually had stress fractures, right? So I was playing AAU the whole time. And I went out and uh, I was actually, I started a game in left field, got moved to third base because the third baseman went to pitch. I had a ground ball. I went to throw the first. The ball literally went to like the pitcher's mound and my arm snapped straight through and then on the top. So like this top half was just like floating. And then I also had this whole thing snapped straight through. Oh my God. My humerus was completely snapped, right? And that was between my, um, I mean, I recovered fine, but it was fucking crazy about just like Ooh. the army at this point still has no idea I ever broke my arm because it's just unnecessary you know, you, I couldn't, I couldn't pull this off today, what I could do 20 years ago. So my point is I, I bring up to like you, like you come to me with all that shit. Like, look, man, probably could get you cleared, but it's going to take a lot of fucking time and a lot of documents on your end. Right. And it's so just I would love to know, like you being you. So <laughs> what I've been told is, so <laughs> I, I had all that happen, you know, and I, missed my entire almost my entire junior year of high school you know i had a tutor this and that you know get to have my assignments brought to me in high school and all this stuff so i was in a almost like up to the waist cast for i would say i don't know months you know not to get specific i, I don't know it was a long time um and that was all the other stuff that happened like that was pretty quick fix the leg, it was like, that took a long, long time. And I was, I did wind up going to the last like three months of high school on crutches. 
That's fucking crazy how fucked up you were, man. Seriously, like now it's like, man, like my arm was broke for like, it was six fucking weeks, maybe two months in a cast, but it was the summer. So I didn't have to deal with shit really when I got back to the senior year. I just had to strengthen my arm back. But dude, you got to, that's your fucking leg. Holy shit. I will never forget when they finally took the cast off and all that stuff. Like, you know, after like, they were like, okay, we can start doing physical therapy and walking out. How atrophy, my leg was like, it was like a No, my arm, I remember this. I remember trying to like, when I could finally was cleared to bench press. Like, I remember one of the pictures was It was so hilarious seeing my left leg and my right leg. Like like, atrophy. That's like like, so white and pale and pasty. It was so gross. Oh God, it was gross. Like, and the funny part was like my arm. And the smell. It wouldn't go straight because it had been yeah. in like this sling position because they couldn't cast it where it was broken. And yeah. I just remember like I went to finally when I was cleared to go lift again. One of the pictures is like, bro, why is your arm so skinny? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I actually, like, as hilarious as this is going to sound, I actually tried to go back and like try out for soccer my senior year. <laughs> like why? I don't know. <laughs> That was supposed to be That's like awesome. retarded looking shit on <laughs> But I'm like, they took everything off and they were like, you know, I was down to just a knee brace or whatever. And like my leg was so atrophied. It was like, it was like stick, ball of knee and stick. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was so bad. So what I was told later, like the reason like the military just was like, nope, not going to happen. So I had already talked to him um, and I'm going to be interested because you were, you were a recruiter at one point in your career, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So being a recruiter, so you're, you're younger, you, you might've heard about this or you might not. So like I was, I graduated high school in 1992. I was born in 73. So I was an 18 year old person, my entire senior year of high school. I had talked to a recruiter on my 18th birthday, you know, and my dad was there, of course, you know, because his dad has to be there and all that stuff. And, you know, they had talked about like going into the army and all that. And this, and, you know, then my accident happened, you know, like I think less than a month later. And I, I cannot remember in this whole process, there was, there's about six months of my life right there that I kind of lost with as far as like, you know, concussions and surgeries and all that stuff. But all I remember is basically my dad telling me like, yeah, you, you, that's not happening. You know, yeah. you're not, you're not going, you're not going in the army. They're not going to take you, you know, mm-hmm. you're just, you're not physically able. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, I'm, I can, I can recover. I can like, I can do rehab. I can do this. I can do that. Like, yeah. okay, you know, like, yeah, I was hit, but I'm like, I'm getting better, you know? And my dad came to me, I think it was my senior year of high school. I think halfway through my senior year of high school, because it's like, you got to figure out what you're going to do when you graduate, you know, you got to have a life after that. And my dad basically told me like, you're not going to be allowed in the military. You're, it, you're not going to be able to go. Cause I had, I, I honestly, God don't know what paperwork I would have signed. I know I signed something as far as like, I am agreeing that I'm going to go into the army when I am in my senior year. Cause you could do like, you can tell me better than I know, like your senior year, you can do like basic and high school at the same time. A little bit of it back in 1992. Yeah. I mean, it was a split option program. They still call it that. It's just the chiz or whatever, but so it still exists do it without clearing MEPS. Yeah. So what, that's where you would have ran into your issue. So that's the thing. It's like, so I was looking at doing my senior year 
that's when I would have been doing basic. What I was told is you would be doing basic during your senior year. Well, so what you do, like you join as a high school junior, the summer between your junior and senior years, you go to basic training, Okay. come back for your senior year of high school. And then once you graduate, you go do your advanced individual, where you go learn your job, you go do your AIT yeah. and then you go on. Right. But that's yeah. only a reserve program right now. So what it was for you back then, I don't know, but I mean, it sounds like to me, like if, if, if I would go back and, and be in a position to advise you to still want to be able to serve, I would say like your dad was probably hundred percent right at the time. It would have been hard. Well, he was, that's what he was told by the recruiter that I had signed with. It would have been hard, right? Because who knows how healed you were. Um, there's a lot of shit in the fucking medical things. I'm going to be blunt. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no reason they shouldn't have taken me. I could bench press twice my own body weight. I could squat my body weight. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was a physical specimen after I recovered. It, it's I mean, about, I, was, I, as long, I mean, at that time, cause you're not much older than me, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like if I would, well, I was honest about everything. And my recruiter was like, now we're going to answer all this medical stuff for real. And you're not going to say yes to any of that stuff. Like, that's why I said, like the army has no idea I ever broke my arm because it would have just slowed everything down. But what I would have said to you is like, it would have been so hard for you to try to join right after high school. I would have said like, if you really wanted to do it, it would have been because you were probably what, 28, 29 when 9-11 happened? 27? I was 27. I yeah. Think. 27. And, and here's how it would have been. E- it would probably been super easy for you to get in because you were a nurse. So you could have used the medical. You could have gone AMED. The, the, well, I'll tell you that story yeah. you know, as a recruiter. There's, there's probably a couple of times I've been really angry in my life. And, <laughs> you know, because I had always assumed I would, I, I always assumed I was like, I was going to go and do at least my four years. Yeah. and get my GI bill and go to college after that. Like at least do that. If I didn't make a career out of it, right. Know? That was always my plan. And what I've learned since is that there was a big drawdown in the military in the early nineties. Yeah. Right? Clinton got rid of the second. And yeah. Like a big drawdown. Like, a huge like, oh, that's, that's why they were like, they were looking for any reason to like boot people out and not no, pay people. Don't ask, don't like, tell. You were like, a basic, yeah, yeah. It was all kinds of shit. Yeah, there, you were a basic bitch, high school grad uh, with no skill. Uh, they, they were looking to get out of that agreement that you signed when you were 18. Yeah. You know, yeah. is what I got told much later when I was in my thirties or forties is like, yeah, at that time, you know, military history, they were looking to get rid of anybody and, you know, they were looking to get out of that agreement that you had made when you were 17. Yep. Um, and then I get, I'm not even kidding. Um, during the ramp up in GWAT and I would say about 2000, I, I would say mid two thousands. Like yeah. The surge 2007, 2008, 2009. I got a letter. <laughs> yeah. Got the surge. Got the surge. My mom got this as a nurse during desert storm, bro. Like how <laughs> many, how much was, how much was her sign on bonus? I'm just asking like, what was the letter she got that's like, Hey, if you sign, you're going to get this sign on bonus. I think from what I vaguely remember, it was probably 25,000. And she wanted guess, to guess what the letter that the Navy saying, Hey, if you sign with us, guess what we're going to give you sign on bonus. Well, because I know enough about AMED and I've, I've seen what we throw out to fucking neurosurgeons. I was probably, I would probably say you were offered a hundred at least. Nailed it. Yeah. It was a hundred grand. And I was angry. I was actually mad. Cause I'm like, you're kidding me. 
you wouldn't take me when I was 18 years old. That's the beauty of, of AMED, bro. Like being medical, it's totally different. We I just was need, 7% we just percent body We don't need you I to actually be a soldier. my body weight. They don't need you to be a soldier. They just need you to be a, a nurse in uniform. That's it, man. You should have done. I was, I was mad. <laughs> I was actually angry. My wife, like seriously, I almost want to get Carrie in here and like have her tell you because she remembers me getting that letter because I almost did it. Yeah, no, like, my mom was the same way, but she had me and my brother, you know, like, like she was terrified I was actually going to do it because she was yeah. like, yeah, please. I thought my mom was going to for a while. Like, I remember crying. My, like, I don't want to lose my mom. I was <laughs> like, they were offering, they said a hundred grand sign on bonus for the Navy. Yeah. And I'm like, so you didn't want me when I was in the prime of my life, like nope. bench press twice my body weight. I nope. ate seven, eight percent body fat. I'm like a physical specimen. I'm an old broken man now you know, couldn't run a mile if you paid me a million dollars, you know, I'm a worthless yes. piece of shit and you're willing to give me a hundred grand, you know, Dude, the best part, the best part is you don't even have to go to, you don't even have to go to basic training. Oh, they said that flat out. Yeah. You go to a officer for the specific MOS or yeah. role. You're, you're, yeah, you're just doing a familiarization of it. So here, check this out. So when I was in the station commander course for the recruiting school, right? So this is the takeover recruiting school. And that's why I stayed those extra three years. So I'm in the station commander course and it was mixed. So like I said, AMED, which is the army medical detachment, they have their own recruiters. So, but they do use the same school. So I had an AMED station commander in my recruiting class with me. And when he was a recruiter, he was in Cleveland and his, one of his hospitals was the Cleveland clinic. And I remember him saying, yeah, we signed up a neurosurgeon to the reserves. He got a $350,000 bonus plus an $80,000 membership bonus annually. Dude, just to be in the reserves. He ain't doing it full time. He's doing it one week out of the month. And let's be honest, he'll probably get mobilized at some point. And he's going to get all that like differential pay to make up for what he would normally make. But check that out. Three hundred. And fifty thousand yeah. dollar bonus plus yeah. eighty thousand dollars each year just to be in the reserves and wear the uniform twenty four days a year. It's yeah. insane, like, Dude. but I get it, like, because we can't produce those individuals on our own, right? Like, a neurosurgeon is a fucking niche. I got that. That's not easy to pull out of your ass and say, like, hey, you're a neurosurgeon in the army now. Same with nurses. Like, people take that shit for granted. Yeah, you can go commission into the reserves or the army active duty as a nurse, but. In a time of war, when there's a shortage, like, yeah, you got to throw hundred G's at people. Cause why would they upend their lives? Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I will never forget getting that letter. I was, I was actively mad. Cause I'm just like, how old were you, you when you got that? I want to say that was. You probably like 35, uh, give or take around that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it was right before we got married. I, so I got married at 35. Um, I would say it was. 33, 34. Yeah. 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 Like, like, that's hard, man. That's hard for someone who's like, cause at that point, like, you know, like, dude, you probably established in your life. You have a a good career and you're just like, well, not just that, but I'm (laughs) like, my body's like, I'm starting to actually break down from like, like, that's hard. I was was fine when I was, you know, like stuff like that, man, that goes back into messaging. And, And that's why I asked you that question about prohibition versus this shit, because you know, the surge was a real thing. Like, but you know what never was actually put out, in my opinion, during the surge? Because I was a drill sergeant during this. And I was remember seeing at Benning, we also, if you if you remember, go back to the surge, what also took place? You had the big fucking financial crisis and meltdown of 2008, right? Yeah. So you had all these guys who were same age as you, 
and a little bit younger, 27 to 33, I was seeing who had lost everything. They had families, they had responsibilities. So what did they do? Well, they joined the fucking military, go do the surge because it's a guaranteed paycheck for the next X amount of years. And they got kids and families to take care of. So they went and did it. And they were the easiest group of individuals to train ever because you didn't have to tell them shit. They got it. They were 27 years They're old. They're adults. The yeah, they, exactly. They're fucking adults. They get it. They understood. Great. And they were going off to go do great things. And that's my, like, the military, and, and it's the same thing I say, whether it's the military or not, it's the government, period. They're so fucking bad at just selling anything to the American people. Yeah. Go back to World War II. Go back to fucking, you know, World War I. Go back... They made you believe in the fucking mission of whatever it was. We can't even do it for something greater than yourself. And we don't do it anymore. Like we just assume. And that's like you. You want me to talk to you about recruiting problems in this country? Why? Like every branch is barely meeting 40 percent. Dude, that's a failure on a monumental scale. And you know what? Does the average person know that? No, because the fucking government's too afraid to even tell you about their failures, let alone their successes. The only thing they'll tell you is how they, how do we spin something to make it look like a success? But when they're blatantly failing, like right now with recruiting, like they won't even make a decent fucking pitch to the American people to come and join and do Which something kills better. Because if you can't sell you can't. America to a 17 year old kid. You can't fucking do right now. Man. You can't sell Coca-Cola to somebody who's thirsty. that's my like and you know and it's been my biggest issue with the art let me just uh, the army's what i know i'll talk like the army sucks and they've sucked since they did away with fucking be all you can be which i get most people don't understand the army doesn't they never owned be all you could be or be all you can be that was a slogan that was owned by a marketing firm and so that's why they don't use it anymore but everything they've done since that's expired has sucked army of one what's your warrior all this like what the fuck does that mean it doesn't mean anything. How do you reach a 17 to 24 year old individual? Speak to that fucking person, not throw these stupid little buzzwords out. Like what's your warrior show some fucking STEM commercial highlight fucking transgender females with mom and dad or mom, two mom parents. Look, you're the fucking mission is to kill people. That's it. Kill the somebody. Don't sit there and try and sell this propaganda about inclusion. Like, no, you either meet the fucking standard of killing your fucking nation's enemies or you don't. And I don't care if that means you look like me or you or you're fucking black or you're a trans or you're whatever the fuck you want to be. You have a standard. You meet it. Period. That's it. Go fucking stack bodies with me and let's fucking drink shit afterwards. Don't try and sell me on like, oh, well, we have to be inclusive. No, the fuck you don't. You have to meet a standard, period. You have to be inclusive in that you don't give a shit if that person next to you wants to stack bodies as black, tranny, gay. Don't give a fuck. If that guy wants to stack bodies with you, do it. Go stack them. That's it. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Nothing else. There was somebody who posted, I don't know if you, I'm, I, I'm going to assume you saw it, but there was somebody who like, Maybe. somebody made a like, pour another glass, video of a bunch of clips or whatever. And some, it was just some random guy who posted it to TikTok. Hey Rob, whatever. hold on. You know what you get in California? You get alerts that say earthquake detected, drop cover, hold on, protect yourself. But can you leave your lights on? My lights are off. 
Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, well, let's see if you can leave your lights on. Anyway, go ahead. In California right now. But there was somebody who posted, like, I, I wish I could find it. Uh, there was somebody who like, it was just a random TikToker who posted like, who collected and did a really good edited, like ad, basically an ad for the military. And I'm going, whoever that is, hire him. I probably didn't something see about it. like be badass, shoot guns, go to go places, do badass things. And I'm like, okay, if that, I mean, I think it was, um, oh God, I can't remember his name. It was a buddy of mine that sent it to me that I was like, okay, that's like one of the most badass recruiting videos I've ever seen. It was made by some random TikToker that was just like, okay, if I see that at 18 years old, I'm joining the military. You know, even in 2022, that fucking works. But we don't. And I'm like, how can you not sell? How are you having recruiting issues? If you can't sell America to 17 and 18 year old high school students that it's like, hey, you want to do badass things. Dude, you got a problem because you can't. Well, so let me ask you this, man. Sell anything. I just did uh, this space on recruiting and its issues a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've always, I've, I've never broken off of this contention. It, it's social media, right? So if you go back to 2012, this was about the time the Pentagon decided that they had a decision point. It was either going to be no one gets social media or opening up to everybody and everybody's going to get it. So naturally they went with everybody, right? Because you had so many people at that point coming in with, you know, actually established pages and profiles and followings and all this shit. And what they've didn't, what they haven't realized. And this is my biggest issue with the fucking mill Twitter bullshit is like, and all this, especially with recruiting, it's like, Oh yeah, we have to make, we have social media. We have to do TikTok. Well, not TikTok. They won't do that, but we have to do Instagram and we have to do fucking Twitter and all this shit. And it's like, it's a waste of effort because the generation we're going after, they're far more adept and attuned into social media than yeah. trying to take a bunch of fucking, for the most part, trying to get opinion, some 49 year old guy like me to most like recruiters, like, to like, to most recruiters don't belong. In, happen. Most recruiters don't belong in recruiting. They just don't have the fucking personality for it. All right. Like, so, but that's the, that's the military, right? It's just like yeah. throw people into something and expect them to learn it. Whereas like, if you did this shit in the real world, if you took a bunch of fucking the people you send to recruiting and, and threw them into a Fortune 500 company like talent acquisition office, they'd all be fucking fired in a week because they suck, right? But anyway, my point is, these kids today, like it, it would be different if we're talking about people like yourself, right? Let's go back to the Stripes era. You remember Stripes? Yeah. Be all you can be. Same yeah. thing, the 80s, right? If, if a young man or woman wanted to change their fucking life and thought the army was the thing to do it, they just walk in the fucking office and did it. And then they'd find out. Well, now they don't have to do that. Now they get to see and read about and see all the fucking social media images and tweets and things coming out about Jessica Gein up in fucking Fort Hood. Or they get to see all the fucking negative shit about housing at Bragg. Or now they get to see all the fucking... The, the, the disappearances and shit going on at Hood or a plethora of issues that they can fucking find. The water at Camp Legion. You can't hide this shit from a fucking teenager or you can't hide it from their fucking 30 to 35 year old fucking family member who's in charge of them, who's their influencer, who's the one you really have to convince to let that fucking kid go. 
So no, well, you wonder I'll why we're at 45. My dad actually tried to discourage me from joining the army. I mean, he went through Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, I would 69, never let my daughter join 69 the 69 to 71. He actually didn't want me to join the military. Yeah. He was Morse. against it. He yeah. was like, no. So, you know, just to give you no. that background, my dad look, was an ROTC. It's the only way he could pay for college. Yeah. And so he was, great, which oh, is still actually a great program, I would say. Yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, join ROTC. He's going to go into uh, Signal Corps. And he was told he was going to Germany. Well, anybody who wants to look up what the uh, attrition rate was for guys with the big radio antennas sticking above their head, you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't long in Vietnam. No. So wasn't. my dad's literally on an AC 130 on the way to Germany, and they're like, uh, Sir, your uh, orders have changed. <laughs> of course they He's are. in his dress uniform, ready to go to an air-conditioned office in Germany. They're like, We're yeah, your business changed. on the next flight to fucking the South. Oh, no, it wasn't the next flight. They rerouted his ass and landed hot. That's hilarious. Literally the only story my dad has ever told me. So, you know, back to, back to my grandfather and my dad. Literally, my grandfather never told me a single story about World War II or Korea. Not got one goddamn story. Not once ever in my life. The only reason I knew he was in was there was his picture, you know, from World War II hanging on the wall in the house, uh, in their house. That was it. Uh, never told me a single thing about anything he ever did. He was a medic in the Navy in World War II. He was in the Pacific and European theater. Never knew a single story of anything he ever did there. I know he was there on D-Day because I got a picture of him there, you know, that's all I know. Um, I got a picture of him. That's uh, awesome. And then he also went to Korea. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> then he got, so, yeah. Then he did, uh, he was a, he was a, in the reserves in Korea for Korea. He was on a, uh, uh, medic, uh, medic ship in Korea. <clears throat> Cause he's a little bit older then. Um, but yeah, I got one picture of him uh, on D-Day, and I've got one picture of him in a in a wetsuit on a deck of a ship in World War II, and that's it. That's all I got as far as like I got his uh, his two certificates and his DD two one four is behind me right here on my wall. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's uh, I got his cool dog shit. tags from Korea. Um, I've got his uh, right behind uh, Julio's book. I've got his flag from his funeral. Um, but that's, that's literally, I, he never told me a single thing. My dad's only story that he ever told me from Vietnam was he was on the way to Germany and they just changed his orders. Like, Hey, you're landing hot in Vietnam. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so he was there from 69 to 71. And that's literally the only story he ever told. I remember when he retired, all my friends from college and everything. Cause, uh, my dad was, and uh, uh, in, in IT at Southwest Missouri state. He retired. All my friends from college all knew him. My dad was really popular. My dad was a bigger man on campus than I was. <laughs> Everybody loved my dad. That's awesome. Southwest Missouri State in Springfield, Missouri. My dad is on the wall of fame. If you want to go to Springfield, Missouri, Southwest Missouri State, now Missouri State, and you go to the, the staff wall of fame, my dad's on it. That's him. Uh, and I remember <laughs> we, were, we all went to his retirement. Everybody I went to college with and everything. He's telling, he's dropping all these stories from Vietnam and I'm, they're all like, why didn't you tell us about your dad? He was a fucking hero. And I'm like, I'm hearing these for the first fucking time. And now <laughs> I'm like, 
They tell everybody but you, right? That's right. I'm like, my dad told me one story from his time in Vietnam is that his orders were changed literally in air while he's like on the way to Germany that he had to land hot in Vietnam. And he wound up like in the shit in Vietnam from 69 to 71. And you'll love this story as, uh, as the military works. So I don't know if it still works this way. So back then the Signal Corps was not you were your own thing. You weren't assigned to that specific unit that you were going to be with. Mm. I don't know if that's still the same. Well, it depends on but, his job. So if he was a fucking radio guy, then he would be assigned to anybody that needed radio operators. Exactly. So, yeah. so what happened when he goes to the armory to get a weapon? Oh, you're not assigned to us. I'm not getting this back. I'm not giving you anything. You got to <laughs> go to your, you got to go to your guy to get that. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much the same. That hasn't changed. Uh, my <laughs> yeah, guy is like a thousand miles away, dude. Yeah, that hasn't changed. No one wants to fucking help anybody outside of their own. No, no. Like <laughs> but otherwise, the armory guy was like, I'm not going to get my shit back. So I'm not giving you anything. Yeah. You got your 45 and <laughs> good luck, buddy. Yeah. Um, so they, were, they, would what's him, up? they would not issue him a rifle. They were just like, oh, dude, you're on your own. You got your 45. You got us because you're an officer. You're you're done. Oh, well, then that makes even more that. sense. Yeah, because they, they thought he was going to die anyway. So, right. I think life expectancy wasn't too high back third. then. I think those guys were third on the list to get killed. Like they were like the top three. That's they were crazy. number three. Like, yeah, as far it, as it life really is. Like, I mean, we had a lot of, I think it wasn't so much the deaths that was the issue out of the world terror because, you know, the, the advancement in body armor and all these and vehicle equipment and stuff. But we had a lot more injuries than people realize from the global war on terror in terms of deaths but you want to talk about just deaths man fucking vietnam was just brutal man i mean aside from world war ii that's a whole other level right that's a different scale but yeah i mean you fifty-eight thousand. that's yeah a lot of fucking people man so he's he's sitting there like he's got a 45 that's it like and the armor like the guy will not literally issue him a rifle like not even a grand nothing like let alone an okay, M16. Just, just fucking find a tree to sit behind and just hope, <laughs> hope for love, the best. You will love this story. It's hilarious. <laughs> so so where he was stationed, uh, the local Vietnamese women did the wash. <laughs> yeah. That's you great. can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Yes. So they're like, <laughs> oh, Hassan, what you need? Literally, this is all I said. What you need? He's like, um, a rifle a, a gun <laughs> i'm not even fucking kidding you for 50 bucks what 50 bucks cash american he gave her because he had all his stuff packed and everything. oh did he get an ak so he gave her his laundry to do and a 50 dollar bill his laundry the next day was sitting on his bunk cleaned and pressed with a grease gun and a case of 45 ACP. Yeah, that, I got a picture of him with it. the good old days, man. I got a picture of him with it. <laughs> and he carried that for the first six months until he got an, uh, an M1 carbine. The fucking good old days. That was what he had for the first six months he was there. That's all he had. That's, it, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> hard to even like respond or put in the words because it's like i want to say like oh that would never happen today but it's like yeah it probably fucking could <laughs> it probably 
probably could, you know, to an extent, something, I don't know, like, it just depends where you're at, what unit you're in, how the funding is, it's just like, yeah, shit could fucking happen like that, that's, but I feel like World, like, World War II aside, like, unfortunately, this, I mean, I've said this to point, I think Terry Shafford and I talked about this when he was on, it's just like, we, we realized something in World War II, and it's like, we were so good at something, which was creating the war machine for the moment that we forgot yeah. how to unplug it. You didn't turn it off. Yeah, no, we didn't. We never turned it off. And we, we were like, well, wait a minute. We can't turn it off. What? What? Wait, let's go to Korea. Well, let's go to Vietnam and let's go to Grenada and let's go to the fucking desert. Store. Let's go do Gulf one. Panama. We've never we've never turned it off, man. And it's like, yeah, like we realized how great we could be at a time of absolute world need and crisis in world war ii and we've just we've but we don't know when it's we don't, we, we don't know how to turn it off man and yeah. and we're not even good at it anymore because you yeah. know why i say we're not good at it anymore why don't you just rewind a year ago and look how fucking embarrassing that with afghanistan or that afghanistan withdrawal was yeah you know yeah. That's, that... so let me ask you that man because like someone who has the family history in and like there's one other thing i want to get to you with before we we, we get out of here but like so you you've got the family history you've had a, a natural and you had this call to serve your whole life until it was taken away from you but you're a very obviously you're a smart guy or you're, you're introspective you think about this shit but you also pay attention so what was it like for you what did you think when you watched this fucking afghanistan withdrawal a year ago what did you think when all that was unplaying like the fucking scenes from out. the runway like all that stuff what did you think ripped every part of my guts out you know, uh, that was probably like as 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 much as I didn't. I knew Biden was going to win, no, you know, no matter what. You know, it was just going to happen. You know, and I knew that it was going to be bad. You know, I mean, I'm somebody who probably, for whatever reason, knows more about Biden's history of you know what he did in Delaware and you know how corrupt he is and all that stuff. I nothing that has come out about him, his sons, his background, his history. Nothing surprises me because. I kind of knew, I think, more about the guy before he was vice president than than most. I've always been heavily into politics. Yeah. My dad raised me that way. My dad always raised me to be involved and engaged. You know, we we watched the State of the Union growing up like we watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, this is your country and be engaged, be involved, you know, be a participant, whatever it is, whatever level it yeah. is. And I yeah. think... Like you said, I think that's where how I wound up where I wound up is doing nursing is, is like, you know, I wanted to do something, you know, I wanted to have that was my way of feeling fulfilled. And it, and it is I, I yeah. love what I do. I love my job. I, I love what I've done in life. I if I died today, I'm, I'm going to die proud of what I've done and who I am and, you know, what I've done in my life and, you know, what I've been. Um and, you know, my dad was like very into the state of the union and elections. And like, we watched the election returns every midterm, every presidential election, always knew who are, I mean, I was the kid who knew who the president was, who my representative in the house was, who my two senators were, you know, for a lot of people who have short-term memories, Missouri was a blue state not that long ago. We had two blue senators, two Democrat senators, Democrat governor, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago we turned into a red state, you know, and very, very red. Um, you know, so I know my Missouri history like nobody's business. And watching that happen 
in 4k live real time absolutely ripped my soul out um i've i've never been angrier at the people in charge i don't think i would imagine it was a lot like my dad having to watch fall saigon maybe you know seeing all that sacrifice for nothing that's you know seeing point. all that sacrifice for yeah that's a good point <clears throat> 13 more people die for no reason on because of his incompetence and stupidity and retardedness. Um, you know, well, then another 10, the next couple of days later when he decided to do a fucking drone strike on. Yeah. Of- yeah. And then killing a bunch of children and then yeah. saying they were terrorists. Like, Hey, not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to call you a terrorist on the way out. Well, I drop a Ginsu knife on your head. It's fucking insane. Um, you know, the guy just, I mean, but that's Joe Biden. The guy has no soul. I mean, um, you know, I'm still just, this guy was just born a, a complete narcissist, a complete psychopath that is just like, you know, the world revolves around him and that's it. You know, I mean, the guy called the person who his wife ran, ran in front of a drunk, you know, to benefit himself in a political way for 30, 40 years. The guy just doesn't have any sort of filter of this is immoral and wrong. Like me and you, we're raised in a way of like, I cannot do an immoral thing because of my internal ethics and, you know, what drives me. He doesn't have that filter, like not his children, not his family, not his wife, not how do you think citizens. Like, how do you think like these are the ones that end up so high up and like, he's the fucking president. narcissism. Um, he made I mean, it to be president. Like you would think like, shouldn't something check this individual along the way? Right, but Something should, but I mean, how that happens is rising. Like, you, you know, I did a, a rotation through psych, you know, and everything. It's amazing what the human mind can do with all the different, you know, morbidities. And, you know, and if you're a narcissist or you can convince anybody of what you, you, you can, it's amazing what you can do once you take ethics out of the equation, you know, <laughs> once you just, yeah. I mean, you, you know, once you just go, yeah. Okay. And that's politics, right? Isn't that like- right? It's like once you take ethics out of the equation, like, well, it's not a matter of if it's good or bad. It's like, can I do it? Can I get away with it? You know, yeah. I mean, let's put this scenario out there. Let's say he's abusing his wife and this and that. And she's she literally drove the car in front of a truck to end her life and her children's life because of the abuse that she's going through. And he turns it into, oh, a drunk, a drunk driver killed my wife and, and did this. Well, we know from the police report, you know, that was written at the time that it was not the driver's fault. He knew that at the time. And yet he spent 40 years saying that this person was a drunk who killed his wife. The yeah. Guy, the guy's life. And again, none of that stopped him. None of that ever no moral fiber ever kicked in and said, Hey, I shouldn't falsely accuse this poor truck driver who was, it was doing just a political, it was purely political because that dude couldn't do shit about it. Right. This guy was just doing his job, driving along his day, and unfortunately had the world's worst moment that Joe Biden's wife ran a red, red ran a stop sign and drove in front of his truck and hit his, and his truck hit her. And his life was ruined for the rest of his life because. Joe Biden has no filter. He has no moral filter to say, I cannot do this because it's morally wrong. He doesn't have that. But wouldn't, like, don't you think, like, saying what you just said right there, don't you think, like, if someone were to just come out and say that now, wouldn't that benefit them? 
like what, what, did, it, what did you think like that's what people like you and i want to actually hear right because like would we would we are we that fucking divided as a country to where we don't even want to hear someone be you know show some fucking contrition and be honest like we'd rather them just come out and keep if feeding you us my honest answer yeah no we're 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 not there where that would do anybody not, yeah, right i'm with you is, i feel like we're so fucking far divided you know? like I don't even know the path back. Like the only thing I can think of is another nine 11 and, but that didn't even last. No. And, and I don't think that would really do. I, I don't think that kind of event would cause everybody to come together. Now it would be, have to be a different kind of event. Honestly, I, I do think we are that kind of divided right now that, you know, on somebody coming on with honesty and clarity and just saying, Hey, this is who I am. Accept me or not. You know, because that's how I've been my entire life. It's just, you know, going back to how we started at the beginning of like how I run, how I am on Twitter. It's like, this is who I am unfiltered, you know? Yeah. So, to, so like you said, wrap it up, you know, in, in, you know, how people would know me as Twitter is this is me unfiltered. This is me. This is my one place. Like I, you can't be yourself at work. You have to be nice. Yeah. You have to be social. You have to be professional. You know, which you should be. Please, kids yeah. out there, if you're listening, <laughs> work. Yeah, yeah. Don't Please be do your, You don't have to be a dick. You just... Yeah, you don't have to be a dick. Be professional. You know, go in. You know, dress nice, smell nice, and be nice to your coworkers. Be professional. You know, you want to not fail at work. You know, do the right thing. It's important. But Twitter is like this place where I can be who I really am. It's like if people wonder if that's really me, yeah, that's really me. That's that's actually how I am. And what's funny is is like people who come to Farmageddon and people who meet me in real life, and I've met a ton of people in real life off of Twitter, and I highly recommend it. Uh, I have met the nicest people, the best people, the most kind-hearted people off Twitter. For me, everybody bags on it. It is. I would I would do it again, and you know when this account's lost, I'll do it again because I <laughs> because this, I heads up, fear the floof will go. It, 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 I'll do my next. My other cat will have an account all of a sudden. You know, I have met a a Jewish Navy pilot, combat pilot. You know, who became a doctor. I've met you know a nightclub owner who got his pilot's license. Who was in the Air Force. I have met, you know, contractors, engineers, nurses, yeah, it's, doctors. It's fucking great for networking, man. They are the every one of those people has a more fascinating story than I'll ever have, you know. Mm-hmm. And they are the nicest, kindest. Will rally. I mean, you want somebody in your corner. I have met those people through Twitter that will have your back nine ways from Sunday. I can call them in the middle of the night and say, "We got to go hurt some people." It just is what it is. <laughs> You know, now you sound um, like Demp. That's what it's yeah, like. <laughs> it, it is, though. I mean, it, it, it really is that these are people that have become like family to me, that are people that have my phone number. They yeah. know where I live. I have a spare room made up in the house that if somebody is driving through St. Louis and needs to crash, it's, it's there. Oh, I could have learned. I could have used that last December when I was driving across the country to my daughter. Like, what? You got my number now. Now dude. we know. Now <laughs> you got my number now. And, and it's all seriousness. If you're yeah, no, no, I get your it. Daughter's Illinois. You need a place to crash. I got a place for you to crash. The spare bedroom is always made up, and that's the kind of people I have. I'm going hog hunting on the 23rd 
with a bunch well, of you guys. You need to hit up Hush. That's what you need to do. You need to hit Hush up. He I do need to hit him up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, big in, hog it's in Oklahoma, not Texas, but I do need to hit Hush up for, for hog hunting. Yeah, I'm going hog hunting with a bunch of buddies I've met on Twitter that are the, the nicest, yeah, that's fucking kindest, cool. most have your back guys on the planet. And if you're doing life right and, you know, Twitter doesn't have to be a cesspool of shit. It can yeah. be if you... No, that's right. As you, you cater it to your experience. Like you get, I, I a hundred percent agree. Like whatever we have issues with Twitter on, like they will cater your experience to exactly what you're looking for. It you is, want you fucking conflict and drama. You you'll find it. it. Yep. You want all that drama. You'll get it. Like, look, I have the same issues. Like it's the same dudes all the time getting their fucking accounts suspended or nuked or whatever. It's like, why don't you just stop being a fucking idiot? Like you don't have to go argue with literally every fucking random person, like you seek out the inevitable, which is the destruction of your account. And then you're like, oh, I'm back for my 18th. I'm not following your 48th fucking recreated account. I'm just not doing it. Well, please follow my fourth at least. Yeah, well, your fourth is fine. <laughs> you're doing it to yourself. There's a difference. All right. So, but yeah, I, I do do it to myself. And it, it is what it is. Different. You know, like, it, it's one thing for the beside, like, I mean, just people who just go out and seek out arguments with screen names like yeah i don't know what you get if i had any advice to kids it's going to be along that lines of you know i love it the advice to kids i'm going to put that in motion when i promote this be a better person do good things you know go into work a proper way you know treat people respectfully treat people nicely and have your friends backs you know if if somebody fucks with your friend always be there in their corner and you know you're going to get out of Twitter what you put into it. You're going to get out of your job what you put into it. And if you're complaining about your job, your life, your this or that, that's on you. Fix that because it's within your control and within your world yeah. that you can control you can what you manage can control. that, you know? All right, man. So the, the last thing I really want to ask you about, oh, is that, that's a sing. Let's go giants. Woo. <laughs> All right. Take that, Braves. Cardinals is still taking it. Yes. Cardinals right. is still going to take it. <laughs> no, I, I'm look, the Giants aren't going to the playoffs, but they're playing the Braves. I'm taking my I, I just want Pajolis to get to 700. Pajolis, so, yeah. No, I, honestly, greatest right-handed hitter of all time, in my opinion. Like, that dude's if he a hadn't stud. gone to California, I think he would have been the home run king. If he hadn't gone to California, you think he would so? have the home he run did, He still did good when he was there. He did okay, but he wouldn't he, – he would not have – he would have done better numbers in, in Cardinals. Do you think so? Well, they didn't want to I pay think he him. would have had another 50. They didn't want to pay him. That was the thing. I mean, that's the only reason he went to L.A. He, he would have gotten paid enough, dude. He'd have still been a rich uh, Look, trust me. I get it. That's why I would say <laughs> if anyone has an athlete or a kid who's inclined to be an athlete, there's only one sport you should push them to, and that's baseball. I mean, yeah. come on. Without concussions, yeah. Yeah, guaranteed contracts, no real physical wear on your body. It's not yeah. like football or basketball. Like I love that baseball is a sport you can be a fat-ass motherfucker and be the best <laughs> player on your team. I love it. Greatest sport ever at the same time. Like all it is, is like, look, Hey, for six months out of the year, I just need you to go swing a bat and field a ball. That's it. You got to run 90 feet, dude. That's all I got to do. And, and, and if you're any good at it, we're going to throw you half a billion. What's up? <laughs> Greatest sport ever. I love it. All right. So they, this is a, a serious note for, well, depending on your reaction, I guess yeah. to end it, but, um, you are a nurse. You're, you're on the front line of this shit. What, what was, what was COVID like for you? And, and what did we do wrong? 
Oh my God, dude, you just added another hour. Oh <laughs> well, uh, you I'll, go. I'll try and be as succinct. Yeah, you as I go. Can. I can hear you. I just gotta I gotta grab this fucking cat. <laughs> Get mine under control. Hey buddy. Hey, boo-boo. Um God. Um so I'm I'm gonna piss off everybody on both sides. Um uh, because you know, a lot of people want to be like, oh, well, we shouldn't have done anything. COVID wasn't real and this and that. And other people are like, you know, my issue was is that we massively, massively overreacted. And I said that from the beginning. Um, and that was a problem. Um, we should have handled it like how I was handled. I was a essential worker as a nurse. You know, I, I never missed a day of work. I never didn't go to work. You know, we, I mean, I'm still wearing masks at my job, which I'm not thrilled about. I don't think it's necessary, but, you know, corporate's not going to take the chance of lawsuits and all that stuff. Um, you know, it, it should have been a, a much more handled situation of, hey, we have, we have this pandemic that came in. We have this virus that came in. Hey, um, clean, wash your hands, use some hand sanitizer, wear a mask at work. And then once the vaccine was out, you know, uh, yeah, get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. But at that point, it's your choice. Like, take your choice. It's your option. Um, but once the vaccine was out, that should have been the end of it. That should have been like, we're back to normal. We're done, you know. Uh, and it never, you know, not, we never should have shut down. We, we never should have gone to that extent of how extreme it went to all everything shutting down and lockdowns and people not leaving their homes and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, you got to protect we got to, we got to do the opposite of what we did, which is not stuff COVID positive patients in their nursing homes. That's your first step right there. Um, but you know, do basic common sense things. We, we've lost the ability to do common sense, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, you know, wear a mask around close contact. This is shit you got to do on a daily basis. Right? Things you should just yeah. do a basic common sense of like, be clean, wash your ass, you know, um, you know, you know, Which is what you do in a basic training environment. Nonstop. Yeah, don't be a fucking, we, issue, we literally issue hand sanitizer. It's an issue. It's an issued item to soldiers in basic it, training. It would have been so basic to just say, Hey, okay. We've got this bug going around. It's bad. You know, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, you know, wear a mask when you're confined enclosed inside spaces, you know, but you know, the, when we started like, you know, arresting people for paddle boarding and lock in locking <laughs> caution tape around parks. I'm like, yeah. I almost lost our paddle right now. I, I still, to, to me, the takeaway from the pandemic, if I had to frame up one picture, it would be the guy getting arrested for paddle boarding in California. Yeah. It was down in San Diego. Wasn't it? Was I, 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 down I, I would say California. that would be my yeah. end, uh, my like picture perfect moment of like that, that will encamp encompass the American experience. The, the end. The end of America. <laughs> the yeah, and just end like of, if I had end of what common. We, what sense. we did wrong was we made it political. Um, you know, I remember um, Dr. Uh, Fauci and whatever oh, her name was, Birch or whatever, talking about how they got the two weeks to slow the spread, where they sold that to Trump. Uh, to get him to do it 
uh, and they they have admitted now, like oh, we didn't know if that was the right thing to do or not. We had to do something again. The, again, the, the back to the prohibition, like we had to do something. Two weeks, and they didn't know what to do. So they were listening. Well, we do two weeks. Then two weeks became two years, and that yeah. there was literally that what was done wrong was everything. Um, you know, it was not done in you know in a scientific way. It was not done in a common sense way. You know, if you made me God Emperor. Uh, at the time, you know, and anybody who wants to, I mean, I know I delete my timeline every week or whatever, but I mean, I people <laughs> screen and stalk me like a motherfucker. So you can go back and find them. But I was saying like the people I worked with were not panicking. You know, I, I'm going to be blunt with you. I've, I've been locked into rooms uh, as uh, a frontline worker for 20 years and way with way worse shit than COVID. I've been locked into rooms with, um, H1N1, uh, you know, uh, just w- stuff that was way more deadly, had a way higher death rate, you know, way, you you get this, you're going to die um, over my career. And I, I didn't, it didn't bother me. It, it was just, is what it is. Well, you let know? me ask you that, man. So it's, it's what why, I get paid to do. Why do you think they chose COVID then to be this? authoritative like why 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 did they choose this to be the time where it's like let's do everything against what you just said what was it really just because trump was fucking running for re-election like it couldn't i i don't you can't take that out of the equation you you can't it's got to be a big Um, part of it but it is um i do think that there was a panic on the the scientific part of things The, the people who run the cdc the people who throw the switches, the levers of power were panicked and they didn't know what to do. And they were like, lock everything down because we don't know what to do. There was this, you know, people are people in the end, no matter how educated they are, no matter how well, high yeah, they well, pay. Why didn't they act like that with instances you said in the past that were more deadly? With like with H1N1, H1N1 is a great example. Uh, why didn't they do that with H1N1? Uh, one, because they didn't, the they had not, instilled the panic into the American public. And you got to kind of remember that before it hit America, it was in the media as far as what it was doing in China. Like we saw the doors being welded shut and all that kind of stuff. You didn't have that with H1N1, yeah. you know, you didn't. Um, we didn't have the internet with H1N1, you know? I mean, as much as people, oh, the internet existed, not like it does today. No, not, not like it does yeah. today. You know, maybe it would have been different if the internet existed like it did today with TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. Well, half the fucking issue. We had so many nurses coming out and showing shit. That's oh, why I like, I find it interesting to hear what you're saying because I want to like, I, the, you're, I, you're an the actual. One, the one that gets me is that one motherfucker that stood in front of a truck during a protest. Like I'm going to stand in front of you. Like he was the, you know, whatever Gabriel or whatever. If I ever found that dude, I'd punch him in the face. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I mean, of all the things that like I saw during all that stuff, the one that pissed me off the most because it was personal was these these nurses that were like, I'm going to get internet famous. But I'm going to, everybody's looking to be like a social justice warrior, like get their five minutes of fame or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like these people were out there like, I'm a nurse on the front lines. Fuck you. You know, <laughs> front line bullshit, motherfucker. Suck a dick. You know, who the fuck are you front lines? Jesus, I've been in, I've been locked in rooms with way worse shit for the last 20 years. Frontline's my ass. You know, I'm like, do your fucking job and shut the fuck up and take your paycheck. You know, I mean, 
it's COVID. It's not fucking cancer. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I've been. So what I mean, I've been locked in rooms with like shit that like reverse isolation. It's like, you know, I get that shit. I'm dead. Okay. Shut the fuck up. You know, do your job. But, but see, these people are more interested in like, getting that internet could... famous. You know, like, Oh, look at me. I'm, I'm like, look at me. I'm a front line. You're not fucking war, dude. You're not bullets are not coming two ways. <laughs> the fuck. The nurses just like the, and I will say in my defense of my career, it was a handful of nurses doing that shit. You know, they all got the yeah, no. I get, I get that, but that I mean, I mean, let's let uh, them aside. I think people see them for what they are. There's going to be people who buy into it. There's going to be people for the most part are just like that's stupid, and then everybody yeah. else. But, but again, I just like finish your thought if you can on on why this was the opportunity for um, a combi- like, It was a it was a combination of an election year, a president that the press and the powers that be very much wanted out of office the internet that was not what it was in uh h1n1 times you know because h1n1 was what 2009 i mean facebook and tiktok yeah because i remember i I mean just to briefly interrupt you as i turn this fuck i'm sorry i gotta turn this fucking we're getting dark over here bro (laughs) No, I remember. I remember. This is about to turn your lights off. Yeah, I, shit. I remember being in Italy in 2006 and making jokes with my buddy because we were there for a training mission. And I remember we were in Rome and we stepped over a dead bird and we were like, "Oh, bird flu!" This was January 2006. Like, yeah. we're making the joke about it, but bird flu was a big like that whole avian flu thing was a big deal at the fucking time. It was. I saw, I saw, I lost a lot of patients and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. We stacked a lot of bodies that year, you yeah. know, and a lot of people died from it because it was a high, more, it was a much higher mortality rate than COVID was, you know, COVID in the end was a little less than 1%, you know, in the end. And that's taking that's into crazy. account that a lot of people were like, Oh, died of COVID. You know, when they died of a motorcycle accident, but they tested positive. How crazy. You know, H1N1 was far more fatal if you got it than COVID was. Uh, And I never worried about Ebola when it came out, even though they made me wear the goddamn spacesuit every time I had to dialyze somebody. Dude, here, let me, let me, let me just interrupt you for just a second, because I feel like I remember thinking, so if you don't already know, like, I know exactly when I got COVID and it was probably after this i've never tested positive for covid yeah well i never did either and i'll tell you why so <laughs> if you don't february, test you ain't positive yeah yeah february of 2020 i got these tickets to go to a season ticket event prior to the season for the giants to kick off it was like a season ticket event on the field mm-hmm. and afterwards shortly after that in february it was either at it either happened then or is when i took this road trip up to to oregon from here because Dude, I was a, I, I over like instantly became a mess. Like I was a wreck and I came back and for like a week, I couldn't taste, I couldn't taste the bourbon. Like every night I'm, I'm the type yeah. of person who goes, I go grill every night. I couldn't smell and I couldn't taste my fucking bourbon. And after like three days, I was like, what the fuck? After a week, I was like, all right, this is fucked up. And then everything was fine. But along the way, I tried to reach out and get tested or whatever and they're like oh well that's not a loss of sense of smell is not a symptom so we can't test you and i was like all right whatever but that's all i ever had right that was it i never had rest and no issues nothing it was just i lost my sense of taste and smell for literally six days that was it 
February of 2020. What fucking <laughs> kind of like bothers me though is when I go back to what we were just talking about with the fucking the bird flu shit is like you already said this. You you talked about all this stuff like how how many people would actually affect like affect it, and it's like. Dude, we shut the planet down. Yeah. We shut the planet. That we didn't just shut down California. We didn't just shut down a few shut states. Down the whole world. We stopped the fucking planet from operating. Yeah. 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 And, but th- so you're like from your perspective, I think you make great points, right? Like I think you had a precedent and and the powers of be the institutions if that's what you want to call them who wanted Trump out of office. How the fuck did we get that to affect the entire planet? We're just like we're America, man. Like I get it because there's still countries doing this shit. So you can't say they're doing it because they were in line with America and like them following what. Dude, you still can't go to parts of this world without vaccine passports and all that shit. Yeah, California can't just be because they hate it. (laughs) Yeah, but it just can't be because we hate it. Trump can't just be that, right? Like. There has to I mean, be. it was the it was the Internet. It was, you know, social media. It was panic. It was it was all of these things coming together to be a perfect storm. It was like the world wanted him out of office. Yes, that is a factor. I know a lot of people say that. Oh, that was the only factor. No, no, it was a factor. It was not the only factor. You have social media influencers that are all woke and like looking to be like, oh, my God, I'm so care about this. And they're, you know, looking to say how much they care. You know, if you care about somebody, you're going to do this, you're going to wear the mask. Um, you know, you have, you know, the politics of it, you have the panic of it, you have all of those things conflating to cause this perfect storm. And if you look throughout history, and I'm a big fan of, you know, history and learning from it, is you look in the past of these moments where social panic was allowed to, to take hold, it kind of fits to other historic moments where social panic, irrational social panic was allowed to unfold. You know, it's not that it was totally irrational. Yes, COVID is real. COVID did kill people. COVID was highly infectious, but it was manageable. It was a manageable situation that could have been managed had it been handled with people who were more level-headed, common-sensed, But you have, in the end, the problem with the government is in the end, the people running it are government employees. And they're going to be looking to like in the military or any other government employee job, they're going to be looking to protect their own ass and their own job. And, you know, like, it's not what I should do. It's like, what do I need to look like I'm doing, you know? And, you know, in the end, Fauci wound up becoming drunk on his own celebrity. Um, I mean, again, you want to go back to like people telling me I have to support Trump. There's a video of Trump going, hey, there's my man Fauci. Yeah, he loved him like early on. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but Ron DeSantis the first month and a half, the first month and a half, I thought Newsom did an amazing job at addressing and dealing with the individuals in California. Governor of New York. Yeah. But then what happened? Yeah, I'm stuffing bodies in the nursing homes. DeSantis has got more video of Trump doing dumbass shit to run in 2024 than he ever needs. He's got the bump stock man. He's got Trump, you know, doing all of Fauci's bidding. And, you know, DeSantis did it for a few minutes, but he very quickly was one of the first guys. And I think 
probably the first big major public figure to say, I'm not doing this shit. And it was within two or three months of saying, I'm not doing this shit. And you know what? He's going to reap the rewards for that, you know, where that's kind of where I was for the first two or three months. I'm like, yeah, we need to like, you know, be careful this and that. I don't think we ever should have gone to the extreme we did for the two or three months, but I'm like, okay, two or three months, figure it out. You know, things we don't know what's going on. Get, get some information. But he very quickly was like, kids are not missing school. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And kids in Florida are not going to be retarded by two years. They're not going to be people's businesses. were not destroyed in Florida as badly as the other 49 States. There is a benefit to being a Florida citizen for those two years that other states didn't get. I will say Missouri was also pretty good. What up? Turn up. (laughs) I will will say Missouri did a pretty good job of, you know, St. Louis County really tried to like overrun uh, the Missouri governor. He was like, no, we're not having this. And we like, I'm not letting you overrun their rights. And I'm very happy that I, I'm very happy that I rode that out of Missouri where you know, I still kept most of my rights for the most of the time. And my, my governor and my representative, other than I will not lie, Cory Bush is my representative. <laughs> Please have mercy on my soul. Um, but Missouri as an institution really protected my rights, protected my way of living, protected other people's way of living, kept their you know, businesses open like Florida did. I don't think Missouri is going to get the same press that Florida did. Maybe it doesn't deserve it. You know, that, I'm just happy I had it. And I was writing this out right next to the state of Illinois. That was the worst <laughs> at doing this. I mean, they were still having the signs on the doors saying you had to wear your mask up until like three or four months ago. You know, um, how it happened. It was politics. It was social media. It was fame. It was all of those things coming together that managed it so badly. You know, it all comes from virtue signaling on on the Internet to say, look how much I care. I'm not doing anything. It's, you know, armchair, you know, activism. Look how much I'm doing, but I'm not actually doing anything. I'm sitting here typing on my phone and tweeting of how much I'm doing, you know, I'm not actually physically, am I donating blood? Am I going and doing a career of service? No, but I'm tweeting about it. You know, I'm doing great things. And it just, it just was a perfect storm of that sort of attitude of, I don't have to do anything. I can sit here on my ass, masturbating to squid porn while I tweet about, you know, what all the things I'm doing for greater society. I'm not going out and doing anything. Look at what great thing I'm doing for, you know, society by not going out and doing anything or wearing a mask. It's like, it was minimal activism. And it was a perfect storm of that. And hopefully a lot of people woke up to it. Hopefully it was an education for a lot of people. My biggest depression about it is not what happened to me, not what happened to a lot of other people. It's that people that lost their businesses, it's people whose kids lost two years of education and they will be forever affected, you know, for the rest of their lives of, you know, will those kids be able to have functional careers and be able to recover from what the, the public school system did to them and the teachers union did to them. Like, I don't have kids. And so I don't see that firsthand. And the 
family members I have that have kids, they're all in private schools, so they didn't get affected by it as much. But I know that even the my nieces that were in, are in private school, you know, some of them, you know, weren't out, were out a little bit, you know, and, and got affected by it. One of them lost a year, you know, and that makes me mad. It makes me angry that, you know, they had a year taken away because you look at the statistics and kids were just not affected by this virus. They were not at major risk. It was that these adults didn't want these germ factories infecting them. So they had to lock them down too. And it was all done wrong in every way, shape and form. And I think volumes of books will be written for a generation of how badly this was handled. This will not be a proud moment in American history, in my opinion of how it was handled by mm -hmm. the powers. You think it happens again? What was that? You think it happens again? Could it happen again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down. Because we uh, did uh, shut down multiple times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, could yeah. it happen again? Absolutely. At, you get people, I mean, you look at history, you know, recorded history for the last 200 years, you know, could, could the press and one major political party and the people who throw the switches of um, power, like the pe the five people who run the internet, you know, Google, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, it's really honestly think about it. Yeah, and, now you're right. You know, Teddy Roosevelt broke up was a trustbuster who broke up these big monopolies. You know, we haven't done that yet with the tech companies, and it's five guys who run the internet right now as it stands right now if those five guys like they did decide you know hey we're going to do this could it happen again absolutely um will it happen again the same way i don't think you can predict that as far as like how it would be handled but could it happen absolutely absolutely it could happen it could happen tomorrow um yeah. if you you have the democratic party you have the press that works in in party with that political system you have the five guys who run the tech companies all on the, they're all on the same page. It could easily happen again, you know, until we have another Teddy Roosevelt come along, uh, whichever party I'm assuming to be Republican because the Democrats are, why would they bust them apart? Cause it's all their advantage until you have another Republican like Teddy Roosevelt come along and say, Hey, you know what? We need to not have one oil company. We do not have one, uh, gasoline company. We need to have not one publication company and trust bust those entities and cause some separation. I don't know if we're going to be able to have anything different until that happens. Because right now, the tech companies are run by five guys. And there's, you know, if any new Facebook comes along, they can buy them and demolish them. They can buy them up and swallow them up and destroy them. And just, hey, you know, we have the money to buy you out and make you not a thing. And then my thing's the only thing. You know, there's going to be one Facebook, one Google, one Twitter. That's it. You know, until, you know, something comes along like a Teddy Roosevelt, that's what we have. And it's, a, it's an amazing amount of power that those five people have to be able to to control the information wasn't that, that kind of interesting that, though like with um zuckerberg recently on joe rogan kind of admitting that i was I don't stunned <laughs> i i don't think he, i don't think he had a place to go because for him to say oh no we didn't do anything wrong would have been an absolutely just 
like eye rolling moment of yeah why he agreed to go on Joe Rogan. Yeah, like that's it. Like it's that's, that's pretty big of him to even go there. It like was you know, huge. I was like, that's, that's a big Joe, ball. You're not coming on to my podcast. You're going on the Joe yeah. Rogans. <laughs> and and you're coming up to a guy who isn't gonna pull it doesn't have any masters. He's like, he's he's gonna ask you that question he asked of just yeah. like, hey, so that propaganda thing you covered up. What about that? You know, how did that go? Well, about uh, that. Uh. Tell me about that. How that? How that happen? What did you do about that one? Uh, I was well. Number one, I was impressed that Zuckerberg did it in the first place because yeah. he can yeah. easily. Just, yeah, he didn't. I'm gonna go on any podcast. I'm the richest guy in the world. Yeah. What do I need your podcast for? <laughs> so he clearly wanted to go on there for some sort of reason, and kudos to him for doing it. Um, because you know, Joe Rogan's not the sort of softball interview like he would be with Chris Hayes, you know. <laughs> Fucking Chris Hayes. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, so he knows he's going in there where he's gonna get asked the uncomfortable question, which he did. Uh, I think his answer was retarded, you know, where he was like, Oh, well, you know, the FBI gave us this warning, and then oh, this magic thing happened like two weeks later, you know. Yeah, just, um, no one believed you know, it. so his answer was. It was more honest than I expected it to be. I'll give him that credit. You know, it was, it was a lot more honest than he, I expected it to be, where he was just like, yeah, I think we got played. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be interesting to see how they go forward, because I think a lot of those tech bros feel like they got played. Yeah, well, it, of it course. It comes across did. that way that they feel like I they mean, got like, played. Like, think about it, right? We, we have to think about these individuals, okay? They're human beings. Well, they're human beings, but the tech bro is not your traditional business individual, right? They're very fucking skilled at being tech. They lack pretty much every other fucking skill that's needed to be successful in anything. Yeah, they can't hold their own dick when they pee. Right. They're just at a moment in society where they're the fucking it, but they lack all that other stuff. So, yeah, like a Zuckerberg, you know. God bless him for being right place, right time. But do you look at that guy as like that? That's a fucking natural born leader. Well, look at look at history. Oh, I mean, he, no, the answer is no, Rob. No, the, the answer is because, no. But, but he created history, something at, at the economy. right moment in time, like you said, right? You would go back to this earlier where it's like, hey, right moment, right place, right time. And now yeah. you have all the fucking ripple effects from Facebook's being created. But if we go far enough back in time in history, I don't think a Zuckerberg survives, let alone gets to the point where he could do such an impact on history. Well, look at the tech bros today. And I will always say this, this too shall pass because if you're you right, go back, you're absolutely at, right. You know, we're the, going the other way now. We're going the other way. If you look back. back at history at the other monopolies that happened, like the, the Carnegie's and the Astors and all those people, yeah, the family members still rich to know that, but I'm like, they got broken up. They, yeah. the world evolved, the world moved on from those huge power brokers, and that's what's going to happen with these power brokers. You know, move, the world will move on, the world will evolve. These are the guys of the moment. You know, these yeah, are the guys, yeah, the, the Carnegie of our times. You know, yep. and right now they are the ones with their hands on the levers and everything else. And that's how life works. And that's how history works. And they will eventually be replaced by the next guy who has his hand on the lever. But right now it's Zuckerberg. It's whoever runs Twitter right now. It's whoever runs yeah, no you know, Google. Well, right I now. guess it's going to be fucking Elon because he got approved to buy it today. 
Did that happen today? Yeah, I thought you still talking about it. Shareholders approved his takeover. I don't. I don't know if he still wants it, but I don't think he the has. Last, the last I saw of where that was going is he has um, an insider, uh, a hacker from the '90s that I actually know him. Uh, I know of him. Not, I don't know. Him. Uh, I know of him, uh, and he was getting out of it. And they, it looked like it was going his way where he was going to be able to get out of it, which I think was his plan the entire time. I think he actually had all this insider information from jump. I've said this, I've said this on Twitter many times. I'm like, he is not somebody who goes into a game unless it's fixed. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you like, buy a Tesla, you get 15 grand in tax money for free. He doesn't go into a game unless it's fixed. And I think he went into this knowing that there was something funky and whatever his motivation was, it was to like find out their internal information and he got it. And I mean, if he gets wait, out wait, of it, wait till they find out about that fear of the flu price. Yep. Wait till they find out about that fear of the floof account. Yeah. He's going to, he's going <laughs> to, he's going to find me out. Uh, he's going to get me nailed. You know, right. I don't have to start my fourth or fifth account. Yeah, and we might. <laughs> all right. But until then, you can find him on his third or fourth, whatever it is. You know, Fear the Floof. He's on Twitter there. It's Rob Province. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out for a few hours. I could probably honestly talk to you a few more hours. I could probably trigger you with a few more questions. But you know what? I think we got enough tonight. Um, you've got to bore you longer, but I won't. No, you're not boring <laughs> me at all. I think it's great. Um, I, I just, I appreciate you. Like I said, coming on and hanging out like this is, uh, fear the floof on Twitter. You can find him there and he'll probably nuke it and, and start another one, but get in there, get in while you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's an evolutionary process. Yeah. You want to be on the ground level on this And then, uh, if you've stuck around this long, you can find me Eric TWBB and let's go from there. And that is, there will be bourbon with Rob province and rabbit hole bourbon, which I threw somewhere back there. Rob had some fucking ice in his scotch. I don't know what it was. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, whatever. There will be scotch. Uh, let live at 18. Yeah. Scotch. Not bourbon. He hates yeah. America. It's fine. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks from Scotland. The Scotlands. <laughs> All right. And.